Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. Fa la la, with a burst of pleasure we feel it arrive. Fa la la, it's a season when the saints can employ us. Fa la la, to spread the news about peace and to keep love alive. Nice. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin, it's best film ever, and the podcast that puts the plus into Disney Plus, it's Talking to Mickey, it's a crossover episode, crossing over the part of the podcast where we like to cross over, I don't know, we'll see if I catch us. Crossing over, crossing over, where are you crossing to, I'm crossing over there, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that's going to catch on. That'll be the Christmas theme of 2020. It will. I want to cross over to 2021. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I need those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ring, ringling here all the way to a new year. (laughs) So we are here. This is the best film ever, greater podcast universe Christmas party. Woo! We are adorned. I am wearing um, a frosty to snowman jumper with a nose that moves, (laughs) which... You know, I wore it to school. My students, a couple of them made a suggestive comment about the nose. Nah. I don't see it. No, no. He's got a little scarf, too. So much like Scrooge. It's a little red scarf. Uh, Liam, you are wearing... A reindeer. A reindeer. And you would be the head of said reindeer. I think if you pull up the hood, I think it's even got, like, bells and ears. It does. Hey. It's got bells and ears on it. So how about that? Woo! And a little little red nose at the front (laughs) as well. So there we go. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Ethan is... uh, Literally glowing. Probably if there's any audio interference, it's Ethan's jumper uh, shorting out the greater West Norfolk region. Oh, it's not even the jumper. I literally stole my Christmas lights from my tree <laughs> and just wrapped it around myself Did like you really? a sparkly noose. Did you really? Yeah. That's great. Did you not notice just they're the all like jumbled together? I'm just yeah, trying not to. just grab the phone because it started ringing right as we started recording and I forgot that this was attached to my outlet and I just completely choked. I feel that Liam and I should have a warning for people who are, you know, photosensitive. Actually, all of us should because we're all looking at the same screen here. Uh, Georgia, you have to describe your Christmas um, get up because it's a little harder to see in your setup. Uh, um, so, oh, I'm still muted, am I? No, you're not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I can't tell. It doesn't tell me or not because it's it's really crappy. Um, I'm not very well um, and I've been to the doctors today, so I haven't got a Christmas jumper on. I have, however, adorned myself with a Christmas Mickey and Minnie Mouse blanket and I've just put some little antlers on my head. Well, there you go. That counts. Ellie, you are well lit, but I can see you've got, is it like a Christmas tree headdress thing? It is an elf headdress. Oh, there it is. um, On a headband. I'm also wearing a Christmas blouse, which I discovered and bought like a couple of weeks ago. Amazing. It's got penguins on it with Santa hats. And I've got my Christmas socks on, which are elf-like. And most importantly, I've got my Christmas pants on today and they jingle. For people... I've got... I've got Christmas socks on. They've got cats. Okay, so with cats. I think it's important to, just for the sake of, if you're an American listener, Christmas pants would mean Christmas underwear. Yeah. Just just, just so they're aware. Because some people might think, that oh, Christmas trousers. Yeah. It's quite nice. Yeah. Where I'm from, that Christmas I wish trousers. I had a pair of Christmas trousers. Do you? That's, that's the next step, isn't is that, it? Okay. Uh, so uh, for drinks, I'm going to admit that uh, I don't have a Christmas drink because I didn't put the slow cooker on hot enough for my mulled wine. So oh. it's currently Christmas 
like lukewarm soup. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a Pepsi Max will have to be mine for now. A maybe Pepsi Max maybe I will swap it up. Other than a lukewarm but I mold. did go for it. I then forgot to put it on the right temperature. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, such as. Uh, Ethan, what, what are you drinking? I've got a hot chocolate in my very nice Moana mug. But I might have got my ratios wrong when I put my Baileys in, so I might just be drinking very warm Baileys with uh, chocolate milk in it. Like, so if I like hot chocolate powder on the top. Yeah. So if I start slurring my nice, speech and just completely, like, I'm completely uncensored, I'm very sorry. You mean, you mean more than usual? More than usual. Yeah. Uh, Georgia. Again, with the uh, unfortunately not feeling oh, very, okay. very well, I have a bottle of water. A bottle of Christmas water. <laughs> bottle of, it is, is in a nice bottle. What is snow it's if not frozen melted. water? Yeah, I've got. It's in my nice posh bottle. There you go. So, yeah. And Ellie. Um, I have to drive later, so I've got a festive cup of tea. Festive cup of tea, that's okay. Things can yeah. be festive. I like cup of tea, it's nice. Cup of tea is nice. Yeah. I have actually got Christmas tea bags downstairs, but oh, I forgot about those. Mm. So. Uh, in a quick uh, little thing. I wasn't going to mention any chart stuff today I wasn't and then I looked at them and went oh I have to talk about this Ooh. yeah uh, for best film ever we remain the number one podcast of choice in Sierra Leone Woo! for films Sierra Leone Come we on. are number five in Switzerland wow yeah we're hanging in there that's that's better than hanging in we're doing really well in Switzerland <laughs> uh, top 100 in the States which is always great so just yeah. a couple of little short ones there uh, talking the Mickey is number three in Japan Wow. Hey, That's we great. return. Number 17 in Brazil, number 18 in Russia, number 25 in Mexico, and number 50 in Denmark. Wow. That's and great. now we've dropped off the charts in Mexico for your atrocious pronunciation of their name. Mexico? <laughs> That's how you say it, I think, as far as the. In, in Espanol, por favor. Is it? I think I believe so. Mexico. Mexico. Oh, los, los yeah, siento, good sir. Yeah, yeah. Si, senor, right? Mexico. That's almost bad as that dude who pronounced Hanukkah the other day as Chanuka. No, Mexico is literally. <laughs> I've heard it said in films. It. Yeah, yeah. They don't go around going, hi, welcome to Mexico. No. No. No, I'm just enjoying the pronunciation of Hanukkah. All right. And I feel that I would be accused of not bringing up the thing that needs to get brought up if I didn't talk about the fantasy football and that I did lose to Ellie in the semifinal. Hey. I, I put up more points than either of the other two people in the other semifinal. <laughs> 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 but that's how fantasy football works. Yeah. And if I had scored higher in the regular season, I'd have been in that bracket rather than the one I was in. So oh, okay. it will be Ellie versus Alex from Main Street Finance on Sunday. And I got news for you, Ellie. You are not predicted to win currently. Really? Yes. I haven't got set Alex. my lineup yet. Well, you may, well, there's no one on by, wow. so there is some twink, some tinkering to do, but still. And that means, Georgia, you were unsuccessful. It was really close. It was so close. I was looking Three at the updates, points. and I literally checked yours, and you were like an 80 to 20 favorite. And then I checked yeah. mine, and when I came back, you were a 90 to 10 underdog in literally the span of 30 seconds, because one of their yeah. guys scored a touchdown, and there was that little time left. I think yeah. I did okay. It was, you did, it I think. It was really you sad. You yeah. yeah. I must have so I'm Georgia and I will play in a third place game. Which will be fun. Ellie yeah. will play Alex from Main Street Finance in the championship game. Mm. And we're rooting for Ellie. Yeah, of course. Main Street Finance. I mean, you know, <laughs> thanks for coming out. Yeah, thank you. But know your role. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the buck stops here, as you might say. Uh, and then uh, I look forward to beating Georgia for third place. 
because Rude. I need to have the, I've lost like three or four in a row. I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, well, I'm predicted uh, 66 to 34 with Nick and Russ. Nick and Russ. Yeah, yeah. So, so you'll be the consolation champion. Yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, well, hey, t- take what you hey, can. Give try. nothing back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only I wasn't going to do any shout outs realistically or like usual ones, except for there was a new listener who got a hold of us, and I thought that warrants a shout out. Okay. So uh, the Twitter name I believe is Ubi or Obi. O-O-B-B-Y. Obi. Obi? I'd say Obi. Obi, okay. Obi. Obi Brits. Does it sound Scottish or that? Brits. Obi Bertitz. Bertitz. Bertiz? Bertiz. B-R-T-I-Z. Bertiz. Obi Bertiz. Obi Bertiz. That sounds better. Like there that. you go. I was driving back <laughs> to SD. And again, you now if, lost our new listener. <laughs> yep. I don't know if SD means San Diego or South Dakota, but says needed some company. Listen to Rocky, and it was a good time. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you. So thank you. We yeah. hope you uh, found that to be a knockout. Do you agree it's a running movie rather than a boxing movie? <laughs> <laughs> let, let, a poll there. <laughs> let Liam know. And just one other shout out. Actually, I'll leave that for later on. That's a little bit oh, okay. Oh. And this is going to be interesting because we're doing our, our, our Christmas party theme. Today, the shout outs come to us rather than us to them so oh. we've had people from the greater best film ever podcast universe out there in the world people who we engage with have recorded messages to us to the listenership and as we go through i'm going to um play those wow. at a yeah I'm forward to this. it should be a good time i'm just looking to see if i can figure out how to cue them up and i just did wow wow don't look at the screen Liam. okay don't look at the screen i'm not looking at the screen all right <laughs> that's the flashy light so we are talking about um Muppet Christmas Carol who has seen it I think we've all seen this yes yeah yeah so I'm not entirely sure I have actually seen this the entire way through what? I've definitely seen like a good 80% of it but there was there this was one scene this is not a long in... film no I know not. but it's no but it's because it, I've only ever seen it when it's been on the TV at Christmas so I've so like, it been, like caught you it part way through yeah. yeah and I thought that I'd managed to see all of it at some point over like you know three separate sittings or something but when i sat down and watched it this time i discovered that there was a bit that i had no recollection of whatsoever okay hmm. bring that up next when we get to it yeah all right yeah um i wasn't a fan of it i could have could have kept it out to be wow. honest wow <laughs> fighting word Ooh. home alone's a bit grumpy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one made their family disappear in this one no. all right I just um, mean I wasn't a fan of that particular bit that I hadn't seen before. Oh, okay. Not the whole film. Oh, I thought. Oh, okay. I think Liam and I both took that as meaning the whole film. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Okay. okay. Um, on that, Home Alone's doing very well. Just want to say that. Oh, is it doing very well? Today is release day for that, and it's doing very well. So, nice. really, really quite happy. It shut out pace the last couple of weeks. So, that's always good. I like that. We like numbers. We do. Okay. And um, everybody else has seen it, and uh, Georgia, you mentioned last week that you'd seen this only last year, I believe. Yeah, the first time I watched it um, was last Christmas time. Um, and I then put it on for my family last night because neither of my parents had ever seen it before either. What? Um, and oh. they both enjoyed it. Oh, that's so. nice to know. Yeah. Right. yeah. How could you not? Uh, Ethan, you love The Muppets. You're, you're, you're like me. Well, you're like most of us, I think. But yeah. Yeah, I, I love The Muppets. And this was kind of the film that made me love The Muppets. Um I'm 20 years old, and for basically the last 20 years, my family Christmas tradition was Christmas Eve. We'd all sit around, the, like, in the lounge, and we'd watch Muppets Christmas Carol. And then, like, that would be that would be the beginning of Christmas for us. So I've done that consistently every single Christmas Eve, like, since then. It's such a great story. So will you watch it again on Christmas Eve this year? 
Oh yeah. Oh, it, okay. it gives me it just gives me another excuse to watch it. Because although not this is dropping on Christmas Eve, we're a couple of days before it when we're recording yeah, we are, this. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. What is that Christmas Eve movie of choice? For me, for years it was Love Actually. That was my Christmas Eve film. For me, it's The Snowman. The animated. We're walking in yeah. the air. Oh, I love Tweenies Enchanted Toy Shop. It was the years. Ellie's at home alone. What, what's Christmas Eve viewing for you? Um, I won't be watching Home Alone on Christmas Eve this year because I've already seen it. You can watch um, Home Alone as long too. as I, yeah, you can. I could. Um, as long as I've Where seen Home Alone at some point, in... leave that alone. Yeah, yeah. Mm. As long as I've seen Home Alone at some point in the Christmas season, I'm okay. I might try and find a new one to watch. I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna watch Liam's movie. Go on. With Amelia Clark, My Dragons, My Dragons. Oh. So I can weigh in on the Ethan Liam. I was listening back to the best Christmas films ever, which you can catch Last on Christmas the archives. I was movie. thinking of watching that as well, actually. I think I'm going to see that because I want to weigh in on this. I, love I it. cannot wait to hear what you think. Yeah, me too. It's what I, think, <laughs> I, 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 see half, I think it's half the reason why I'm inclined to do it, Ethan. Is like, I think you've played to my ego enough that I'm like, yes, I want to weigh in on this. <laughs> I feel like your weigh in is going to be, um, you've just ruined my Christmas Eve. <laughs> Nah, if, if if I get to feel smug, it's a pretty good gift. <laughs> so it's all right. Um, so such is. Uh, tell you what, let's have our first of our virtual carolers jump in here. Our little Ooh. greetings from outside. So, what is Playing that? With at the technology. The, what is that at the virtual door? I think I hear a virtual caroler ready to spread some cheer. Let's do this. Hello, this is Russ from the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, wishing the great people of the Best Film Ever podcast a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and yippee-ki-yay-yay, motherfucker, because Die Hard is a Christmas film. Love you guys. Fabulous. That was Russ from Nick and Russ. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Russ. Liam and I had the pleasure of being on Nick and Russ's show uh, a few weeks back now. Oh, a couple months back now, at least now. Oh, really? Oh, for sure. But these things, it's really quickly wow. how much these bleed into each other. It's probably, probably three months. I'm rubbish. At, I'm tracking time. Yep. Is, uh, I think it was end of August. But then we had the privilege of having both of them on for Bill and Ted. Yes, we did. Yeah. And that was a fun time. And it so was. thanks a lot. We'd love to do that again next year as well, Nick and Russ. Uh, if we can do that, that would be fantastic. Be Merry brilliant. Christmas to you, boys. Thank you. Keep doing the good stuff. You got Larry Hankin on your show. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> we'll I'm, keep bringing that up. I'm still well jealous of that. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, I said it for Home Alone. I'm going to say it for this. My request for this review is, and this is a challenge to me now, is going keep the nostalgia and keep the filmmaking separate as much as you can and be objective yeah, about this. Isn't it? it is difficult. It pulls on my heartstrings. And there's things, I mean, we talked about The Princess Bride, which pulled on my heartstrings, but I, I justified in my head that I'm okay. This meets that other level of film. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Okay. But it's the warning to myself to get myself in that mindset. Also, I teach A Christmas Carol. Ah. as like the straight version, not yeah, like yep, not yep. The, the Muppet version. Some teachers show the Muppet version. Like you are not in my school. But <laughs> I was on this Facebook group for teachers going, you are nuts. You teach them the Muppet version. Like I have a hard enough time in Romeo and Juliet saying, don't say they meet in the lose. <laughs> like what are you going to do if you've got like Rizzo the rat going for jelly beans underneath the fence? Oh, I know, that's crazy. And, <laughs> and, and two Marley brothers and all this sort of stuff. So <laughs> I, I might I might be a little bit of the now in the book. That may happen today. Fair warning. Um, I mean... So- I've just literally just finished studying it for uni as well, so I might chime in with that as well. Outstanding. So you can be the Rizzo to my Mr. Dickens. How's that? <laughs> I'll take that. There we yeah. go. I'm okay with that. So in other words, Georgia, can you finish this off? So, so I am here to tell the story. 
Not that well. Oh, my oh. word. This isn't from... See, this wasn't from A Christmas Carol. This was from A Muppet's Christmas Carol. I was that, setting you that's up. Why I don't, that's why I don't know it oh, as well. Is, see, we, we give Liam a hard time when he fails on these yeah, things. See? And I just found out that other people are just as faulty <laughs> as you are, Liam. I thought I won't do this to Liam, Liam this time. Liam, I stand Blessing. with you. Georgia will get this. And the answer is, no, she won't. See, I'm not alone. So, I didn't. What I don't know what you're referencing. You'll find out when we get to it. Following <laughs> okay. Jim Henson's death in May 1990, uh, talent agent Bill Habner, uh, sorry, Bill Haber, approached his son Brian with the idea of filming an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Haber told Henson that A Christmas Carol is the greatest story of all time. I really rate A Christmas Carol as a story. Oh, I think I've said this. Story, yeah. I love a it's redemptive story. Um, it's got and everything so, in, isn't it? Yeah, it's got everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Haber said, you should you should do that uh, with the Muppets. And later informed Henson that he sold the idea to ABC, but as a television special, not as a film, not as a feature mm. film, not, yeah. not in cinemas. Uh, longtime Muppets writer Jerry Joel was hired to write the script and decided to insert Charles Dickens as the narrator in order to remain faithful to the original prose of the written material. And I think a much better shout for doing that. I agree. There's so much that's added by that narrator's voice. And it moves it along... Yeah, not, not as a voiceover, but and then they yeah. play, and like all Muppets things, they play with the form. Yeah, the idea of how much is the narrator aware of what's going on, how much other people are aware of the narrator's there. It's very, very meta. Very look at what yeah. we're doing here. I like it. Um, also, on that note, uh, so because uh, Gonzo was chosen to play Charles Dickens, because and I quote. He was the least likely choice to play Charles Dickens. <laughs> you know, who's got the gravitas and presence? Well, you'd probably be more like, oh, well, it's Kermit. You get the sincerity. If it's if it's Fozzie, you've got kind of the the the, 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 the humor. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's Rolf, you might have the got. But the, Gonzo, he's just a, he's just the weird dork. You wouldn't surely he wouldn't be Dickens. That's why he's Dickens. But it works. It works. It so works. And uh, Rizzo the Rat was chosen to inject some humor and serve as a Greek chorus. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and he needed, he needed somebody to bounce off. Of, Sorry, someone. The two of them together does a really good job of actually emulating the tone of the narrator in the book. I think like, so because, because it's the, not the tone's very funny. Yeah, yeah, it is very funny, yeah. and it's it's got all those repetitious words and everything in there that just long sentences and stuff, and you, you get those from Gonzo, and then you get. Rizzo just chipping in with little side bits, which is exactly what the narrator does in the book. He's very obvious that he's that he's there yes. um the writer is, a, is essentially another character in the book so it's nice to see that as a a physical manifestation in the form of two muppets yeah um the film of course this is the first film like we said to be produced in the wake of the death of jim henson and talk about a legacy yeah and wanting to make sure you got that right that's got to be rough. nailed it on the head. They did. And this uh, was de- dedicated to uh, Jim Henson and performer Richard Hunt. And they were the original Stadler and Waldorf. Were they? Yeah. So the kind of, oh. so I wonder if they kind of envisioned up in, up in heaven, yeah. their Stadler and Waldorf heckling them as they're trying to pull this off. That's cool. It's a nice little moment. I like that. And this is also the first Muppet film co-produced and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Yeah. And the rights to Muppets in this film would later be purchased by Disney. Basically, to make you can kind of see films. that in this because that's got that little magical air to it that the other Muppet things don't have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that little sparkle of something extra. Oh, see, because I really rate the. Fr- <sighs> I hear you. I guess what we'd say, maybe, is that the. I think the Muppet movies. I don't buy the Muppet movie, the first one, the one we've already reviewed. Yeah, I don't buy that's a children's movie. 
No, yeah, I agree. I don't think it is. I think it's yeah, an yeah. adult movie using... You could take a kid to it. I think this is what we talked about back then. Yeah. It's a film for adults that children could still enjoy. Yeah. I'd argue this is the first film where that, that flips a bit. I think this is more of a kid's movie that adults can really get a lot out of. Yeah, I agree. I think, I agree part, with that. Disney I've seen this as a child and I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Ellie, go ahead. For the, for the most part, I'd agree with that. But I think there's parts of this that are really scary. And that is addressed. <laughs> and yeah, I... I and that's but what, most, but is is that here's a is that okay? Is it okay to teach kids it's okay that there's there's bad things out there? Well, yeah. Look at Disney movies in in general; they show you bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, but it's usually just, more of a visual. You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's the fire trope, and it's yeah. it's the height, don't fall from a tall building trope, and here come the scary whatever it is in Pinocchio. But it's always exaggerated. It's never realistic. And actually, this film's got some realistic kind of issues. Yeah, yeah. It's it creeped me out a bit. So okay. I think it was. That's why it stands up so well. It is a ghost story. It is. It is. Yeah. And this is where I put my teacher hat on and go. This is because in the Victorian era, they were obsessed with supernatural stories. Yeah. That was like the hit and the genre and the yeah. black and everything. This is Marley their, was dead to begin, to begin with. with. This great is, opener. This is their Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Team Gonzo. Uh, <laughs> And so we're about to pretty much hit the film. So I think this is another time to go, is that another caroler I hear at the door? Ding dong. Ding dong. Hey, everyone. Tom here from Pod Jerky. Master Impressive and I would like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. 2020 has brought a lot of bad times. But the positive thing is we got to build a wonderful community and meet a lot of great people. So from the guys over at Pod Jerky... We want you all to have a safe and happy holiday. Here is to a much happier and healthier 2021. And we're with them on the 2021 yeah, thing, absolutely. I think. Uh, we were lucky Thank enough you. To, to, to hang out with Tom on Pod Jerky for, we were, for an episode. Yeah, yeah, it was part of the Sunday showcase they do over at the Pod VCOM, where the Beacon. V stands for virtual. virtual. <laughs> so that was so fun, but it was nice of them to reach out. Um, it was. Fellow Canadian. Yep. Canada up. For, 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 for a brief moment, we were there. <laughs> Ellie, something to say? Can you please get an actual doorbell that plays the best film ever theme? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, like like a physical doorbell for like the house or something? Or? Yeah, for you, for your house. Like, so that so when you do it, because Liam went ding dong and then you play the best film ever. I kind of thought about like messing around with some various things, and I went actually our buffer thing works just just fine on its own. So I I like the idea of that as a doorbell. Do you? Yeah. It definitely it's it's more like something happies at the door. As yeah. a po- I don't know what I'd do when Amazon comes and goes, ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> Very aggressive. Very aggressive. Maybe I'd start to hate our own buffer music. <laughs> so, uh, we have the old school. Every two- time you open the door. Oh, sorry. My mute is awful. I was going to say, every time you open the door, you have to go, and welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> I like that. I was going, what's Ethan going to add this time? Actually, well done. Uh, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll look through the eye hole and try it with someone. Maybe if it's one of you guys, I'll do that at some point. <laughs> Back when we're allowed to, you know, engage with each other again. Uh, there is an old school 2D logo. I love the old school 2D shimmery logo. I say, Every time we d- talk. Me too. And it has that do 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 do. I just it's love that magical feel to it. I think it's because, I think that's nostalgia, isn't it? That's your For kid. You rented yeah. a VHS and yeah. it was like, you know, wow, the VHS and the magic of opening it up. And they all look the same, but you're like, wow. Yeah. And you put it in. It's like, this is a film I don't have. And now it's in my TV for like a day. This Woo. is great. Yeah. Oh, and and then the Jim Henson logo. The Jim Henson logo out of, out of Kermit. See, I feel yeah. See, I don't like. Uh, I love Kermit. 
I feel that sometimes we f- present the Muppets as just being Kermit. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm like, there's a million, well, not a million, but there's many, many, many Muppets. And a core well, group of Muppets. He started it, didn't he? he? That's did, why. He did. It just didn't, I think you hear what I'm saying. That's fine. It's just, a, oh, it's yeah. just, it's just oh, an yeah. identification. I think through this whole film, they made sure that every single Muppet they ever made, made an appearance in this movie. It's close. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. there's one big one who's not in it. Oh, oh. We'll talk about it in a minute. Ooh. So, uh, we get the it's theme. For me. Sorry? Sorry, so for me, on the Jim Henson logo, it's more the bit that actually says Jim Henson than the picture of Kermit. Like, that writing, for me, has become okay. like iconic. That handwritten Jim Henson productions, there's, it just stands out. There's also something about the marriage of those two brands together. We get the Disney yeah. logo, then we get Jim Henson. Yeah. And that's an interesting partnership. It's nice. Um... And so we get up the thing, a Brian Henson film. And fair props to a kid for his first go. Yeah. I mean, kid, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Your father's legacy, your directorial debut. Here you go. Christmas Carol. Don't screw it up. And he did, he did a great job. A brilliant job. And we get proper credit. So we get told, like, Charles Dickens played by Gonzo the Great. Yeah. Bob Cratchit yeah. played by. <laughs> Kermit the Frog. It's, I love that. Which is nice. It is nice. Because it's always that thing with the Muppets where they straddle that line of are they fictional characters or are they entities unto themselves? Yeah. So They are totally. entities unto themselves. Absolutely. So, um, the score in this film was by Miles Goodman and the score was very good. Yeah. And the songs were by Paul Williams and I think the songs are outstanding. The songs are brilliant. So, Is he any relation to... Uh... I looked. No. 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 <sighs> No, no local. Uh, He's not going to be at the house up at wherever you said it was. Dersingham, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around here, I'm told. Uh, uh, and so we meet, the first thing we meet actually is the character of the city of London, which is a character in this film. Yes. And we have sentient food. Mm-hmm. I love one's getting robbed. Going, He's stealing me. He's stealing me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a cameo. You caught this, Liam. There's a cameo by Sprocket. Yes, Sprocket the dog. And he is from? He is from... Um, uh, Cash the cares away. Bump, bump. Fraggle Rock. Yeah, yeah, down at Fraggle Rock. And the Doozers. Yes, they were there too. Yeah, yeah. And there was the guy, I don't know what the guy's name is. I love the guy who throws the boomerang fish. Yeah, who who was he? What's his name? Anybody know? Oh, yeah, no, I know who you mean. I yeah, can't think what his name he's is. He's great. like a friend of the Swedish chef, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. And he's fantastic. And then we meet Charles Dickens, played by Gonzo, and Rizzo, the rat, played by Rizzo. And we get... Charles Dickens says, I am here to tell the story. And Rizzo says, and I am here for the food. Oh, and, yeah, that's the one. And that's why I was throwing it to you. I thought this is a Georgia line. Absolutely. That is a Georgia line. It is. I, I think I definitely am the Rizzo, the rat to your uh, Charles Dickens. I'm, I'm okay with that. And as, See, as check as out them apples. Exactly. <laughs> and as we've already said, uh, they were a great double act, I thought, throughout. Yeah, it needed it, I think. If Gonzo was on his own doing it, yes. it wouldn't have had the same... And you, need some, and you need someone for the kids, because at times, like the little kids, because at times, yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be hard to follow, or it could be I'm impatient, and they gave us these little moments of Muppet wackiness yeah. that Rizzo allows you to have without sullying the character that uh, Gonzo's playing as Dickens. Yeah. So I thought it was well done. Ellie? I just love how meta they are, and I think that having both of them obviously allows for a lot more dialogue to play on that, so they they really kind of feed heavily into the fact that they're not part of the story but they're telling the story and kind of engaging with the audience well, especially because Rizzo in a sense becomes our surrogate because he gets to go how do you know this yeah. and they wouldn't really say yeah. that you're not that you're gone you're not Charles Dickens Charles Dickens in the 19th century and so he gets to ask He's all those audience. questions yeah. so that Gonzo can tell us yeah. by telling Rizzo yeah. 
which I thought was great. And I absolutely love the bit about the back of his, how he knows it like the back of his hand. <laughs> I don't have it written down, but yeah. Well, there's, 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 there's a mole, mole by my thumb, and then on my wrist there's a scar from yeah. when, and then he cuts him off, which is great because it's a funny joke because now I'm frustrated as the viewer. I'm like, where did you get the scar? I want to know. <laughs> it's gone, though. He's probably been fired out of a thing or of a cannon? And, yeah, on a tightrope. Yeah. But, you know, let me have that. That's fine. Um, and so uh, we find out the Marleys were dead to begin with. At which point, the, the, the Rizzo's like, oh, it's scary. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's a little bit scary. He goes, and it says, dead as a doornail. He's like, oh, that's some good writing. And these are all lines. It's, it's yeah. actually, everything, yeah. what Gonzo says is, is actually quite faithful, as is Scrooge's from mm-hmm. the actual text. So I'm going, I think the line stops there, but <laughs> uh, there's a few others, but not many, not many, not too many. Yeah, yeah uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few which are definitely different. <laughs> uh, and then we meet Ebenezer Scrooge. He goes, he's coming around that corner. When? Soon. When? Right now. And then in comes Ebenezer Scrooge, played by Michael Caine. Dutch angle. Camera looking up. It's great. Low angle, so he looks yeah. powerful. Yeah. Dutch angle, so he looks like something's wrong. Yeah. And they shot a lot of early Scrooge with this low angle and with this Dutch angle. I like that. Throughout, which was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really did like it. Um, and someone says, is it getting cold around here as soon as he shows up? And there's something. I had to go ahead and get my English thing out and say, in the text it says, he carried his own low temperature with him. So everybody <laughs> else getting cold. I'm like, nice touch. It is nice touch. Uh, Michael Caine was not the first choice to play Scrooge. Okay. English actors David Hemmings. Don't recognize him. Ron Moody. Yeah, Ron Moody. He who's, was, who's Ron Moody? Ron Moody was um, in Oliver, the Fagin. Oh, yes, he was. Yes. Oh, I can see why they'd want him. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Plus, he's got experience with Dickens. Of course. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And David Warner. David Warner. And then the most bizarre one to me, American comedian George Carlin. Who I have no idea who that is. You don't know who George Carlin is? No. Do we have this conversation? He's Rufus and Bill and Ted. Oh, yes, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That wouldn't have worked. No, no way. I think that's them going, we want someone to appeal to a mainstream audience. But I'm like, if you're going to do Christmas Carol, give me a British guy, would you? You need a British guy. You do. Yeah. Um, and Sir Michael Caine uh, actively pursued the role, though, of Ebenezer Scrooge when he heard it was going to production. He missed out on a guest star role on the TV series The Muppets, uh, The Muppet Show, because it was shot in the UK and he was living in tax, act, tax exile in the US at the time. But he had friends and colleagues who had guested on it, like Roger Moore, John Cleese, Peter Sellers, Sylvester Stallone, who said they had so much fun appearing in the show and that it increased their star power with kids. Yeah. Which you got to think, who's the next generation of moviegoers? Get in with them. Let them have memories of who you are. Absolutely. So when it was greenlit in 1991, Kane had already moved back to the UK and he heard it was going to be filmed in a London studio. He had his agent badger Jim Henson Productions until they agreed to meet with him and they cast him shortly afterwards. And when he was offered the part, Michael Caine said, Said, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an, an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. And I think nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the genius of why this works. Yeah. It's not, hey, where are the Muppets? Yeah. Hey, no, no. It's, no, it's, it's a it's genuine, the characters who get to break the fourth wall generally do it when he's not around. Yeah. It's Gonzo, it's Rizzo, and occasionally it's the rats. Yeah. The greater it makes it ten times more convincing throughout the entire thing. It brings thing. a much more gravity to yeah. it. Yeah, because Bob, uh, Bob Cratchit never winks to the audience no. and goes, hey, I know I'm Kermit. He keeps it straight. Yeah. So I think, you know, bang on right choice. Absolutely. And 
It would be wanna, the same movie if he had. If you want to tell me he's the best Scrooge we ever had on film, I won't argue with you too much. Me either. I got no. another one. It's a for me. It's a list of two. It's him and it's Alistair Sim. Yeah. Uh, from the very straight-laced one. But not because he plays it straight and Kane doesn't. They both play it straight. Yeah. Just the characters around them. Yeah. Yeah. One's a musical, you know, the the the, the black and white one isn't. Kelsey Grammer tried to bring them together. <laughs> we, we've talked about that. that yeah. <laughs> um, he took inspiration from Wall Street cheats and embezzlers and thought there was another good uh, picture of meanness and greed. And we have to consider that because, because production took place at Shepperton Studios in England, uh, the Muppets and the human actors had to be in the floor, right, to keep them out of the shot. So they created yeah. fake floors and kept the camera high. And Michael Caine, you guessed this when we were watching, Liam, had to walk across planks of wood. Oh, yeah, because it's bugged me for years. Because they're all in a pit, basically. Yeah. They fell into the pit. But my logic was telling me that's I what they have to be. fell into the pit. <laughs> pit. Yeah. So, yeah. And Michael Caine considers this role of Scrooge to be one of his most memorable, at least to him. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, he fought for the role. We'll talk about that at the so, end because Michael Caine's got a heck of a body of work. Uh, yeah, but he never turned down anything. George, no, but, George but his, his, stu- his stuff is general, <laughs> it's generally good. Yeah. At least from like mid-90s onward. He seems like he's just he's only in good things. His early 60s was good. Yeah, his early her, start. Her, and then he had 20 yeah, years yeah. of kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it got really, really good again. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and so we have our first song, which is called Scrooge. And I should mention that Michael Caine only found out it was Brian Henson's directorial debut halfway through production. Okay. And, and he said he was deeply impressed. He yeah. thought he thought, he thought uh, Henson Jr. was absolutely nailing it. So, But if you're brought up and around it, you can have a bit of idea. He more. spent enough time on sets. I think he yeah. knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Unlike somebody going in like fresh out, yeah. you know, and not done anything at all. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Still very good. How and, old was he when he uh, went, like when he directed this? I don't know the answer to that. Actually, no, neither. That might be a fun idea for, for the age game. The age game. Let's all play the age game later on. If anybody <laughs> wants to look that up and add it to the list, I hadn't considered that. The Jeez, only thing is, give no me one... this look like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is, we haven't seen Brian Henson. No, but there's just the They're idea: just... how old are you when you're taking this yeah. mantle on? It'd be very interesting. Mm. If he's younger than I am now, I'll be very. He probably was. I Jeez. reckon he was. Oh no. I think. I think he was 32-ish. Well, tell you I could what, be wrong, we'll, we'll, but I we'll think he's around there. The we'll let you guess first when we do the game, George, so you can have that number, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'll go <laughs> first and I'll go, I think 32. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and just, we get our first song. Our first song is called Scrooge, and it's, there goes Mr. Humdrum, there goes Mr. Grimm. <laughs> Um, there's a great line where I think it's the vegetables all say, if you gave him a flavor, you can bet it would be He's sour. sour. <laughs> yeah. There's so much fun wordplay. I mean, George, some of your lines here. Uh, it's even worse is for us Mises. No, cheese is for us Mises. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's nothing in our houses. It's even worse for Mouses. Yeah. And yeah. then later it's no cheese is for us Mises. I love the mice. The mice make me very happy. I thought so. And he's referred to as solitary as an oyster. And I went, check all the big quotes that I tell my students to teach. I'm like, yep, you got that one. In. You got that one. In. So I'm just looking through. The, I've got my book open here. And like a lot oh, of yeah? the lyrics. Yeah, a lot of the lyrics in here are in the, like, the opening bit about the description of Scrooge. Like the, the squeezing, wrenching, grasping, yes. scraping, clutching. Like it's all in there. It's really good. Yeah, and it's different when it's you really read cool. it when Gonzo's when he was a clutching, covetous, all yeah. of a <laughs> uh, Ellie. 
Um, I really, really appreciated the mice when we got another little Dickens crossover and they went, please, sir, I want some cheese. Yes, that is true. That is true. Yeah. I think you mentioned that was Oliver, didn't you? Oliver, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we find out that Scrooge was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone. And I think it's important to notice that almost every major Christmas tradition we have emerges out of the Victorian era. Of course it does, yeah. Like everything from Christmas trees to Christmas cards to carols to gift-giving to the idea of a Christmas turkey to Christmas stockings. These are all Victorian things that said, we still have. Like putting candles on Christmas trees. Like that putting candles on Christmas trees. Yeah, as if you could heard girls night. No, where is that from? It must be an American thing. I'm like, guys, it was done in Victorian England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm listening to some editing going, oh, you bunch of... I think I called you Muppets. <laughs> the, the question wasn't so much where was it from as why the hell did they think it was a good idea at the time that's all they had you had to really trim the area around it and put a little bit of like foil underneath it to catch the drippings you wouldn't have any christmas tree left you wouldn't have a house left no well done that so maybe that's what started the great london fire i doubt it was (laughs) i doubt it was so um 1666 so was that the london fire yeah oh really yeah okay yeah uh, NL 1066. <laughs> uh, and Battle of Stamford Bridge. Is, no, is that right? No, Battle of Hastings. Battle of Hastings. No. Oh, no. Okay. I don't know about Hastings. <laughs> anyway, for our non-British listeners, they're just going, you're just naming dates. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it is interesting that like Christmas is not the, although all the traditions come from the Victorian era, Christmas isn't this giant thing at the, at, during, Scrooge, uh, during Dickens' time. No. It's kind of like an outdated religious... Yes. holiday celebration but it wasn't like mainstream and it's not until the writing of a christmas carol that actually it takes over the the terms merry christmas comes out of this book wow the, the idea about basically you, you could there's that film on netflix a couple of years ago it was in the theaters i think before that the man who invented christmas yeah now you can say not invented the whole idea of but uh, popularizing christmas yeah and absolutely it, it's it's charles dickens it's I this had book no idea about yeah that. georgia you say bar humbug comes exactly out of this book as well and a lot thought. of the christmas yeah, a lot of the christmas traditions and things that come from that we do celebrate um including going to the theater around christmas come from dickens yeah. because he used to do readings of readings of the christmas carol uh, live to audiences in theaters around christmas yeah. um and all sorts of other stuff like that he was he was a cool guy actually uh, he was a he was an actor he was a journalist he was all sorts he didn't just write yeah um books so yeah he was he's cool i like i've got a new respect for charles dickens after learning about him excellent so we're about to meet uh meet his clerk but before we do that maybe we should meet another one of our of our carolers what do you think yes i think that's appropriate ding dong so here we go ding dong here comes the custom <laughs> best film ever doorbell in three two one hello best film ever and talking with mickey this is andrew shesky from pause for parks like to wish all a happy holidays to you and your families, and a happy new year. May this next year be better than the last one. Again, I want to thank you all for the opportunity you give me to enlighten everyone about the parks. It has been amazing, and I would like to wish you all a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. So that's Andrew Shevsky oh, from our pause you, for the parks. We now know what his voice sounds like. Yeah. Yay! We've just had text, so you know if you thought we were just making him up, there's actually he as either him or someone who he's paid or kidnapped to do the voiceover <laughs> on his behalf. So thank you, Andrew. Uh, you can catch Andrew's stuff most weeks on um, on 
talking to Mickey on our pause for the parks. If the film we're doing has a park sort of tie in, Andrew's our expert with that. So thank you very much, Andrew. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas also, well, eventually, to Bob Cratchit, played by Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Now, the notes I have here says it's the first Muppet movie where Kermit the Frog isn't the lead role. And I'll go, you're right. Yeah. Bob Cratchit isn't the lead role. However, he said, thinking about when we did our, our best Christmas films ever episode. So when it's the Disney one, it's Mickey Mouse in that role. And you're going, okay, that, that, that's the lead franchise guy. I mean, you know, if, if, if I'm sitting here going, why is everything Muppets got to be about Kermit? Well, geez, Disney and Mickey. I mean, yeah, and yeah, it's the same yeah. idea. He was first, but, and he's the most, he's the most iconic. Literally, he is an icon. Uh, yeah. Copyright law has changed to protect Mickey Mouse. Yeah. From entering the public domain. Uh, so it just seems to be this is where you put your likable, genuine lead, lead character. Your most popular character becomes Bob Cratchit. I think also it's because there's, a couple relationship there as well that makes it easy to put Kermit and Piggy in and Mickey and Minnie yeah, in. Yeah, um, that's true. Because it's a happy relationship. It's the only one we see in I mean, the entirety of I mean, I mean, Christmas imagine, Carol other than, other than his nephew. Can you imagine if they had, like, Kermit be Scrooge, just be, like, a jerk for the first two-thirds of the film? That would be weird, wouldn't it? Uh, I oh, would I love that. Love yeah, that. Kermit going, let him die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... I think it'd be great. Uh, interesting story. This was, the, of course, like everything else, like Brian Henson's having his first go. You know, Jim Henson was the voice of Kermit. He was. So this is, again, the first time we're hearing someone not named Jim Henson doing this role. And so it fell to a guy named Steve Whitmere. And he was so he was nervous, as you would be, about taking yeah. over this iconic character. And the night before he recorded Kermit's songs for the movie, he had a dream where he met Henson in a hotel lobby. And he told Henson how unsure he was. In the dream, Henson reassured Whitmere that the feeling would pass. And once he woke up, he was confident and felt he was able to do the part. <laughs> do you know what I thought he was going to say? I thought he was going to say, the night before, he got shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he was wow. visited by one spirit <laughs> via dream. <laughs> what? How would that be? <laughs> he got hammered and woke up with a frog in his throat. <laughs> I set him up, you knock him out that's, of the park. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> um, but I thought it was a really kind of touching story. And if that I can, is a nice story. Not for a moment do I look at this and go, Kermit's voice is off. No. It's, no. Am I, I wrong? I don't know. We talked about it with Winnie the Pooh in, when we did our Piglet's Big Movie Review. And I talked about it socially when I talk about the voice of Kermit in... Uh, some of the remakes, uh, Muppets Now and the Muppets, the 2011 version, uh, and go, his voice wasn't quite right. And I hate it when the voices aren't quite right. This guy nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize um, or forgotten what date Jim Henson died. So when I was doing the age game and I saw that someone else was named as playing Kermit, I was like, what? That wasn't Jim Henson? I didn't, re- no, didn't, re- didn't Henson, recognize yeah. the difference at all. Was that before or after you saw the film? Uh, like, after yeah yeah you're after okay yeah so yeah it, it, it's just you you wouldn't know as a kid i'd know no, no, no it sounded, sounded the same as the um the muppet movie that we did a few weeks ago yeah spot on um and so uh, in an interview kermit the frog stated the most important piece of acting advice ever given to him was by sir michael kane on the set of this movie <laughs> apparently according to kermit the advice was never blink and this is just typical muppet humor isn't it i like it so meta yeah okay so from that day on so from that day on i would not be a good version of kermit the frog 
Um, so more from this early blink, part. Blink. This guy comes in because he's behind on his mortgage payments. And he goes, please don't shout at me. Just please, don't, I'm so, I didn't mean to fall behind. At which point, Scrooge picks him up, throws him outside. That was he, cleverly done, wasn't it? It was. And as he lands, you just hear his voice going, thank you for not shouting at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love Muppet humor. Um, it was well, uh, well done. Because again, I said, I said to Ilium, uh, it's amazing how quickly I go and I forget that these aren't... Um, these are puppets. Yeah, I, yeah, I very yeah. quickly was able to, to just suspend my disbelief and be fully engaged. I did totally, hundred percent. Until there were Liam just that said I had that. to keep reminding myself: these are puppets. How did, this isn't animated? How did they do this? Yeah, yeah, so clever. I hadn't even thought about it until Liam said it. Then it, it just completely blends in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a thing about here come all the eviction notices to go out tomorrow. And Bob Cratchit says, "Well, it is Christmas, sir. It's good you can gift wrap them." <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, if you're Scrooge, it does feel like it's a waste of uh, it's a waste of money for the gift wrapping. But I think he's being sarcastic in that. Of course, yes. Uh, Christmas time, we're told, is eviction season. Harvest time for the moneylenders <laughs> and the other um, bookkeepers, played by rats. Now, usually, like Cratchit's the only employee he has. Yeah. But again, for that comedic sense, you couldn't have Kermit do these jokes. No, Kermit has to be the straight man, of course. And so he goes. The bookkeepers want some more coal for the fire, and they're asked, "Well, how would they like to be unemployed?" And we get this jump cut to them, like in like Hawaiian gear, <laughs> doing like the luau. In the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Fred, and Fred is played by Stephen McIntosh. I like Fred. Now the deal is, in, in a Christmas Carol proper, in the book, Fred uh, is my favorite character. Yeah, I like Fred. I love Fred, and played very well by uh, Colin Firth, and then the Jim Carrey version of it. He might he might be the most the, the one redeeming factor in that film. Oh, okay. Uh, and Gary Oldman, so two redeeming factors. Yeah. Um, but he's good in this. He's young. He's very um, positive. Positive, and he's a foil, right? He's yeah, yeah, everything yeah. Scrooge isn't. But it also gives you a hint because they're related. He's everything Scrooge could be. Yeah. If he hadn't been jaded, da 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 da. And I love this relationship between them because he calls him out on a lot of stuff. Fred calls yeah. Scrooge out on a lot of stuff. And yet Scrooge won't, he won't, he's not antagonized by it as such. He's more, he's more faithful and you can tell there's a love, love there between them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's what I love about their relationship because even though he's really cantankerous and hates Christmas and everything else and Fred throws it out there and goes, yeah, this is positive. Come around and see us, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, mm. Mm, but in a nice way. Yeah, he's just—he's never going to be beaten by Scrooge's no uh, curmudgeonness. No, yeah, and he's never rude, rude to him. Who's to Scrooge? Scrooge is never rude. No, to he Fred. doesn't cross a well, line. Not no, to his face. You know? not to his face at least. There's affection. No, I, th- I think he—I th- I think he agrees that he thinks his his nephew is deluded and naive. Yeah, but it's, it never goes to a, like that personal meanness that seems to no. go everybody else. So, yeah. and that's important, especially because there's a character. Oh, no, sorry, I meant of. Fred. I meant Fred. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Fred's. I got a bit of. We'll talk about that when we get to that scene. So I got a yeah, bit of an issue with this thing. one because there's the way it's presented so that the audience understands it makes Fred out to be a bit of a jerk in this. But we'll talk about it when we get to that scene. Oh yeah, it's that one. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, there's a great speech about how Christmas, even though it's never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and it will do me good. And I say, God bless it. And I didn't need to write that down because I teach that quote. That's <laughs> so, cool. But the idea about the scrap, that gold or silver would be a scrap. Scrap is yeah, something yeah, you throw yeah. away. It's garbage. But it has done me good, present tense. It will do me good, future tense. And I say, God bless it. Because a Christmas carol is above everything. It's a Christian allegory, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's about the idea of, you know, get your life right before you die. Yeah. So you end up going to the good place, not the bad place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Ted Danson. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get introduced to the portly gentleman, uh, as they're described to in the book, played by, in this case, Honeydew and Professor Honeydew and Beaker. Beaker. Me, 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 me. You really like Beaker. I don't usually. As a kid, I didn't. But I like, I like him in this, only because the way he reacts yeah. to Scrooge. So yeah, I don't really, I don't normally like him, but in in this one I do. Yeah, my question is this: It's true of the book too. How are these the only two guys in the whole town of London who don't know about Scrooge? Because they just, go in there, they're so optimistic. They are. Oh they? boy, how much can we put you down for? And they don't like that. Nothing gets to them. And he and even like, leans on the desk. Very good question. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, we're told in the song like people go to the other side of the street when they see Scrooge, and like, everyone's like, "Oh, he's cold," and they're all like. <laughs> This guy feels like he's a generous type. And to be fair, I mean, Scrooge does wind things up here. And as it's going on, there's an underscore of Scrooge's. It's like, ooh. And so uh, Fred's goes, well, here's my donation. I'm off. And before he goes, Scrooge asks him, why did you get married? He says, I got married because I fell in love. He goes, that's the only thing sillier than Christmas. And, um... When the men from the charity, because he says, oh, my Uncle Scrooge loves giving a charity. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, you know, yeah. he crosses that line. Bit of but- a jerk there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Scrooge asks, are there any prisons? Are there any workhouses? Because at this time, if you were poor, you went to debtor's prison. It yep. was part of what was called the New Poor Law of 1834. Look at oh, all this wow. knowledge you get dropped here. And so this would be a, a present tense kind of idea at this time. And so if you, you would ever go to the workhouse or you would go to prison, that's how you would get money. You would do one of those two things. And he goes, well, it's still very much alive. He says, well, they should go there. He goes, well, many would rather die. And he says, well, they had better do it. They had better, if they'd rather die, they better do it and decrease the surplus so population. Yeah. Now, there is a guy out there called Thomas Malthus. Right. Thomas Malthus was a philosopher mainly of geography. Okay. But it, got to, it can be applied here. And so the basic principle is – that an environment can only sustain so many people. Yeah. Like, or so many things. So let's say we have, yeah, yeah. let's say we have, I put a bird feeder up outside. Yeah. Right. And I have enough feed that it can feed six birds yeah. a day. Yep. Okay. And then as a result, the birds start telling each other about the, about the bird feeder. And eventually all these birds flock to this region. So I have 18 birds all trying to fight because they're, they're popular. Because at the start, you know, I've only have two birds and they get fat mm-hmm. and they tell their buddies. Now I've got 18 birds showing up. Eventually what's going to happen is there won't be enough food and the environment will correct itself by having the birds die. And then once there's the right amount of birds, then the bird feed will sustain the birds every day. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does. Malthus believes, same for people. So there's only so many resources in this world, kind of like Thanos kind of got in the point. Avengers. And so you go, what you need to do is you can't give people charity. Because if you give people charity, then you're interfering with the natural order of the universe. Oh. So what we need to do is make sure that if there's poor people, let them die. Ooh, that's hard because if you let them die, then it corrects itself. 
Now, if you're a cynic and if you have the, you go, yeah. well, that's the problem. There's too many poor people. And we see this in A Christmas Carol. Who's got the big family? Bob Cratchit. Yes, he does. The poor guy. Yeah. The rich people, small families, mm-hmm. right? And so the problem is just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And everybody's begging and pickpocketing. This is Victorian London as well. It is, yeah. So Dickens is obviously writing, having Scrooge say this, he's having, because he's going to change. He's kind of given a middle finger here to that logic and that line of, because it's very cold. It is very. And to use the word surplus population. Yeah. Surplus is like, a, is like an item on a ledger. I know, right? Extra, surplus, extra popular. Things yeah. we don't need, they're in the surplus. So, yeah. Very clever writing. Very clever writing and, and, and a nice sort of uh, check on that sort of mindset of the day. Um, there's a carol. My internet dipped for, a, for a, like half a second and I, I went from Muppets to economics and philosophy, and I was, like, mind flooded for the last two minutes. <laughs> have, have a stream has been crossed? Am I sitting on some other podcast right now? I was like, this went from talking the Mickey to the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> uh, there is a caroler who knocks on the door, and he is given a free wreath on his way out. He, he oh, is. I love him. Did you see the look on his face? when the oh, door funny. Opened? So, I, don't know, I, I know they're all cute. But that one's really cute, isn't he? He is, isn't he? Oh, it's the bit in a minute that's even worse. He's so cute and helpless. Oh, I have that written down, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Kermit does what Kermit does. I mean, Bob Cratchit. And that's, he has to speak on behalf of all the rats again. Yep. And uh, they want the next day off. Now, in in sorry, in, in the book, they don't ha- have to persuade him for the whole day off. Just Bob Cratchit goes, he's kind of goes, I guess you'll want tomorrow off then. He goes, well, it is the custom, sir. Well, it's a bad custom. This idea of you can have half an hour off. I think it's just the idea of going, without going into some of the really dark things Scrooge does in the book, how can we come across that he's a jerk? I know. We'll let him have half an hour yeah. for Christmas and that's it. Uh, it's implied that, um, you know, Scrooge probably works on Christmas Day until he repents himself. The logic of you be wasting a lot of coal, that wasn't bad. Yeah, but he would be wasting his time. I liked that. He would be wasting his time on Christmas Day because everywhere else would be shut. In other versions, it says that Scrooge has his own little coal. I mean, but we see that when he, was, when he was a boy, right? When he's a boy, he said Christmas is a time to get ahead, get more work done. But do you think in his own mind he has nobody else to go home to, no one else to see? So by working Christmas Day helps him? The question is, is Scrooge a guy who feels lonely anymore? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He obviously felt lonely as a kid, and we see that happen. I don't think Scrooge feels lonely anymore. I think he does. Okay. Do you see anything that you can back that up with? Well, why come in for Christmas? Because we don't see... Every time we see him at home, he's he's lonely and frightened. Right. So when he walks in the house, we, we just see him once. No, when walking up the stairs, you know, going yeah, but, in, he's frightened. But he, but he thought he saw a ghost in the... Sitting down, eating his cheese and bread. But this is after he thought he saw... The, this is after the ghost showed no, up, though. I, no, I think I, I think, think he's still Michael, okay. I agree with Liam. I think Michael Caine just gives a very sort of subdued performance in it in, like, a good way, where it's it's only briefly hinted at in just sort of his mannerisms for it. It's very hiding away and repressing that thing, but in, like, his little... His secluded moments, it it comes out a bit more. Yeah, Georgia, go ahead. I'm joining team hashtag Ian is right. Scrooge doesn't care anymore. That's why he is so bad. That's why he gets visited by the ghosts, because if not, he's going to end up like Marley. Um, And that's why he has to be visited, because if not, he would just go on not caring and not giving two shits anymore. But he Um, does care. He doesn't, though. Not until he saw... 
And that's not until he sees all. a ghost. I, how does Look he, at Ian's happy little he, smug face. How does he show it to Fred? Because he doesn't ever. Because if he didn't care anymore, he'd just go. To be fair, hang on though. On the way out, he says, "You shouldn't celebrate Christmas." Have I mentioned you're poor? By the way, why did you get married? That's stupid. Like <laughs> the caring yeah, guy. Well, no, but he still is because he's not giving him the direct right. Go away. I never want to see you again. He's not doing that. So but, he does uh, care at some because point. he's not stupid. He you knows know? that he can probably still use these people for his I own think he's still gains lonely. at some point. No matter right? how cantankerous you are, you can still be very lonely. I'm just curious. We got two and we got two. Ellie, where do you fall in this debate? I was staying out of it. Wow. <laughs> She's on the fence. You're the one who's lonely now. Yeah. Uh, so. um, I think he's probably not lonely anymore. Hey. I think he's just become so bitter and. I think he's become hardened. I really, really yeah, do. Hard, yeah, that's a good point. Th- when it says that he's got his own low temperature and he's, he's got cold, that means he's cold hearted. That means he doesn't care. I'm he takes the he cold wherever he goes. Show his growth. That's why it's important that we see that at the start. You can still be lonely even if you're cantankerous okay. and cold. I, I, no, I, I think I, 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 I agree. Say, you absolutely can. I just don't think Scrooge is that guy. I think I think he is that with himself. It, it is possible for a character. Not my argument's not this character. I think you need to have that little bit of something there to grow as a person. Ellie, I would say that that um, warmth and desire to be surrounded by people does come back very quickly if he's not lonely at the start. Absolutely, but you, know, you just get some super. It's a Disney film. No, I think you have to have grounds for something to grow from See, it. I'm, maybe I'm just too... It's not as quick in the book. Yeah, I'm, 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 he doesn't obviously I'm way too invested quickly. in the fact that I, I, I know the book, but the book isn't what we're, we're looking at. We're looking at the film, so we could be in a world where maybe we're, oh, okay. maybe we're both right. I've never okay, so maybe, maybe Scrooge in Muppet's Christmas Carol is lonely still, but the Scrooge in the book is definitely not. Let is us, where I'm if you're out there, let being. us know what you think. Is it hashtag Ian is right, hashtag Ian is wrong? I've got something about that to talk about later. Well, hashtag Liam is definitely right. <laughs> wow definitely using the adverb definitely uh and so um is scrooge uh, in, the, in this film is scrooge aware that christmas exists before this year like surely cratchit would have asked for a day off before this maybe that's a, a dance they always do every year <laughs> maybe, goes, a little like oh i can't wait today's the day i get to, yeah. I get to pretend christmas doesn't exist <laughs> Maybe he's more desperate for the day off this year because he knows it might be his last Christmas with Tiny Tim. Oh, I'll bring that down, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, but the rats wouldn't care any less. The rats clearly want the next day off. Well, maybe the rats are new. Maybe it's their first year working oh, there. <laughs> All right. He wouldn't have employed that many, would he? He's telling you what, he's doing some good for the local population, the economy. He's employing a <laughs> Wait, lot of rats. He is, isn't he? <laughs> well, you did Oliver Cromwell, like, uh, leave power. I have because- no idea. We could, hypothetically, we could just say this is set the year after there's no more Oliver Cromwell and King Charles II is there now, so Christmas is legal again. <laughs> so and, they, 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 they can only ask it this year. Anyway, this sets up, because Scrooge leaves, lets the boys lock up, and it sets up the song One More Sleep Till Christmas. 1658. 1658? Okay, this is well after that. Um, they're locking up the store, and there's a great shot, and it was I, I mentioned to Liam, there's a bit where Kermit blows out a candle and you're like, yeah, the logistics that would have to require 
to blow out the candle, make it like Kermit did it. It's but crazy. All my life, I'm like, well, yeah, Kermit blew, blew, Kermit blew the candle. Yeah, out. you just take it as because Kermit's got lungs. <laughs> I haven't thought about it until now, and I'm because I'm so used to that. I'm exactly, like, yeah, right. That's, that's that makes sense. The smallest, like the big ones, you go, how'd they do that? But the small ones, they just get they just get by you. But by missing it and going by you is a testament to how good it is. Oh, absolutely, it's not a negative. It's, no, it's me it's going isn't like, it? oh, it's amazing, mind blowing. Especially, we said it before, but in a world where we're so used now to animation and computer animation at that, doing things we couldn't do before, sometimes I think our appreciation for the magic of filmmaking gets lost. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is, uh, maybe, because as a kid, you just go, of course, Kermit blew it out. That's yeah, what Kermit does. Yeah, yeah. Kermit does. Yeah, I know there's a hand at the back, but you don't think about things like how they blow the candle out. No. Yeah. Um, and so also the rats start pulling down the blinds. I don't even want to think about how long this took. That whole sequence with them all like flipping up and pulling down blinds and jumping on. Bo- oh, that went forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good though. It I good. love, like, I really appreciate and like would implore anyone who's not seen them to go and have a look at some behind the scenes pictures of Muppets in the making, yeah. like any Muppet thing in the making, because the effort and the, the new technology everything that goes into making a new Muppet feature and kind of even just like little bit that they do like the rats flying through the air is it's so good and it doesn't even it doesn't ruin the magic in the Muppets because it it just makes gives you a bigger appreciation for for how the fact that they these people put so much effort into making the Muppets and yet they don't take the credit for it they let the Muppets take the credit yeah like it's 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 so good I love the Muppets and it's clever when you see their legs because you're so used to thinking of a hand in a in a in a back, yeah, yeah. and then and then you see the legs moving, and we'll get there too. There's a, there's a big clever. one. At the conclusion of the song, one more sleep, one more sleep, and then he went to There's only one more sleep. Let's actually talk about it. The song is lovely, isn't it? It is brilliant. Yeah, season to be jolly and joy, which is the bridge, but comes back. Yeah. It's a nice little song. It, it's there's magic everywhere. It's yeah, a nice Kermit song, it isn't is, it? It is, yeah. Kermit always gets the heartfelt ones. He needs to, though, doesn't he? And uh, at the end, there's a shooting star seen across the sky. And that's kind of a thing with Kermit in, in Muppet films in general. He sees a, a shooting star. There's other people who go, that's a little bit of a nod to Jim Henson. Oh, okay. Kermit by himself. And the stars, it's, the, it's the separation of Kermit from... Now you say that, because that's the bit I didn't like. Don't make me cry. <laughs> that broke my heart in like seven different ways. Oh, Christmas is actually ruined. Merry Christmas, everyone listening to this who's just been severely depressed. The shooting star bit, that's the bit I didn't like. But now you've just explained it, I can see yeah. I can see it, yeah. It could feel hokey. It did, it, could, it did yeah. feel that. Uh, and the, and explain. there's the bit speaking about something that feels dark and not wanted. I mean, there's this thing where we talked about where now the camera pans over and there's that cute little caroler boy. Yeah. And he's like oh, shielded in like newspaper. one page of newspaper. <laughs> yeah. He's so sad. Oh, he's very Just sad. Shivering. Oh, I love him. And then we go to Scrooge's house and the knocker turns into Jacob Marley, oh. which is from the book. <laughs> uh, as part of this, Gonzo gets knocked over. And he's even referred to as Gonzo briefly by Rizzo. He's like, Gonzo, Gonzo, are you okay? okay? Are you okay? (laughs) Uh, And then uh, then he just sits right back up and he continues the story, which I thought was a brilliant fit. Like the idea of it, not the story is going to keep going no matter what you do with the ride. It continues on. Ellie. Um, There's a little bit just before the the door knocker where um, Rizzo says to, to Gonzo, 
Why are you whispering? And he goes, it's for dramatic effect. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and I really, really liked that. How present in the narrative are they? Could the other characters see them? Well, sometimes, well, they can be influenced by them. We found that out. Yeah. Um, and so this is where they start talking about, how can you tell what's going on up there? Well, I'm omniscient. <laughs> oh, la hoity-toity God perspective. And I'm like, it's a really clever joke for us because no, no kid knows what omniscient means. No. No. And this is and like, because it was so old. Uh, we could do a proper search. Scrooge was forced to light the lamps, and then we see the Bing. window light. Yeah, it's it comes brilliant. On. Good. Um, Scrooge enjoys a cheap meal, which means bread and cheese. Might not be cheeses for us Mises, but there's cheese for Scroogey. Yeah. And uh, the bells ring, the ringing bell. And of course, in a in a home of that time, that's how you would communicate with the servants downstairs. Oh, do you know what I thought it was? I what? thought it was the doorbell. No, no, no. It's a series of bells. If you look at things like Downton Abbey, you'll see these. Yeah. They've each got a bell that goes to each of the rooms. So depending on which bell you pull, they can tell what room you're in, oh. who needs help. Oh, that makes sense. But the idea that it should be empty at that time of night. So yeah. like this bell kept ringing. So do you think you have servants? Oh, yeah, because he does. Because we see later on the one's trying to pawn his stuff off, isn't she? Oh, yeah. They don't show yeah, her very. Yeah, I, I don't know if yeah. they show her at any totally other point. Forget. I, I was confused like about who she was. That makes more sense in, now. In the actual, like, uh, in the Alistair Sim version, even the Jim Carrey version, she's a much more prominent character. Oh, okay. It's like the one person in his house, but she hates him too because he's just, he's just a miserable bastard, Tenderous, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not making his own dinner. No. I don't think he's doing that. Oh, okay. So, I thought that's why he had cheese and bread. Um, and not then, that she had to spend a lot of time cooking it. And then as the bell goes, we're about to meet somebody else. But that reminds me of our virtual doorbell. Hey. And we have somebody else that we need to meet now. So Ding we're three dong. down. Here's number four. Hey, what's up, guys? It's the effing nerds. And we just wanted to wish you guys a happy holidays and new year. I know it's been a rough one to say the least, but we hope you get to end it on a good note by spending time with family and friends. And of course, we hope you guys are watching a ton of movies. Mark, yes. what are you watching over this holiday break? Santa Sluts number four. Oh, Jesus. And the best part is that you do not have to watch one, two, or three to understand what's going to on. Understand. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, aside from that, I will probably be watching Batman Returns. Batman Returns, yeah, yes. Yeah, I love Batman, and it takes place during Christmas time, so I'll consider it a Christmas movie. There you go. There you go. So, uh, uh, yes, and what about you? I'm just gonna have Die Hard on repeat. You, you Die already, you already on repeat. Die Hard. So. I, I can watch it more, bro. I can watch the movie nonstop. Oh well, well, you go ahead and you do that. And everyone, yes, tough year. Hope you're celebrating with the family and eating a lot of shit. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, get those Christmas 15s in there. <laughs> All right, take care, everyone. Well, I'll tell you what, Martin came up with a Christmas film that I didn't think about for my list. Yeah, same. <laughs> I wheezed at that. I'll take oh his word God. for it that, that you don't have to watch one, two, or three to understand number four. But they did uh, talk about Batman Returns. They did. And they did talk about And that's the effing nerds. They do a great job. Yeah. I was listening today in the car, and um, they were doing a Mandalorian um, breakdown of, of an episode, the, the penultimate episode of season two. So they're really, and it was really good. It was really, really good, good shout, Ethan. You'd definitely be, be digging. I will have to give that a listen. It's very I good. Love, I love listening to people talk about This would be a really good thing for you. You would really like effing nerds. It seems to be your kind of uh, thing. So we rate them very, very highly. We're mm-hmm. trying to we're trying to figure out something to do together in 2021, oh, which would be great. I've got an idea actually for maybe a season two retrospective of Mando, but we'll have to talk about that at some point, Ethan. Yeah. Okay. Back to our other doorbell and. That presents us to Marley and Marley. This is a different type of boys' night altogether. Yeah. Marley, Marley, and Scrooge, uh, Stadler and Waldorf. And unlike in the book, these two aren't exactly repentant. No, no, but you wouldn't want them to be. <laughs> it's great. 
Yeah, it is. It is it great. Is. Yeah. They say, Scrooge, you look more old and wicked than ever. I knew he wouldn't disappoint us. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it does muddy the message, but you're not really here for a straight telling of no, A Christmas Carol. No. Uh, Scrooge says there's more of gravy than grave about you, which is a natural line from the book. Yeah, I knew that, yeah. And they go, what a terrible pun. Leave the comedy to the bears. <laughs> and that is a reference, of course, to Fozzie oh, Bear, okay. who was mercilessly heckled by Stathler and Waldorf. So I'm going to go, leave the comedy <laughs> to the bears. That's like a dig. That's a real dig, isn't it? <laughs> um, and so them being surrounded by whaling cash registers is apparently a nod to Bob Marley and the whalers. Oh, and I went. Is that really something the Muppets would do? And then I went. Actually, yes, it's exactly what the Muppets would do. Is the that kind of is, punny sort of joke, Georgia? To be fair, though, they are described in the book as having chains of cash registers and things attached to them. So it's yeah. The question equally, was the fact that it's actually the cash registers that whale. Maybe yeah. 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 Well, I I keep thinking whenever I think of Christmas Carol, I mistakenly think Bob Marley. Oh, dear. Yeah, mistakenly. Well, I was curious. We watched Home Alone last, which you can get on Best Film Ever and Talking to Mickey's you back catalogue. And, of course, it's Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley. And the idea that he's made a mistake and needs yeah. to make amends. So unlike in this version, actually, that version of Old Man Marley doesn't have to be alone and does get to change. Yeah. So there we go. Oh. Is this why they called the other Marley brother Robert? Because Robert is short for Bob or Bob is short for Robert. Oh, my word. That's oh, probably true. I, yeah. hadn't even, I didn't even think of that. He's Bob Marley. That's, yeah, he's Bob Marley. I hadn't thought of that. Well That's done. That's great. Uh, and he's warned of his fate. He's going to be visited by three spirits. And then we cut back to Dickens and Rizzo. And Rizzo says, should we worry about the children in the audience? This is getting pretty dark. And Dickens just goes, no, this is culture. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. They just leave it at that, yeah, which yeah. is great. And then they jump over a fence. And, of course, Gons has already done it, and Rizzo's afraid of jumping. And then he finally jumps. He's supposed to be caught by uh, Dickens. Dickens doesn't catch him in a, in a typical sort of Muppet sort of thing. But then he realizes he's forgotten his jelly beans and scurries under the fence and then scurries back. <laughs> I, I had a similar situation to this. Many years ago. <laughs> no, listen. Many years ago, I worked in a factory, and I did a night shift. And I was supposed to start at 11. Yeah, I didn't get there till about midnight. I'd been out on. on I'm late to something. Never. I, I know, right? I'd been out with a friend of mine, and we'd been drinking, and I totally forgot I had work, but he had work too. So anyway, we managed to stumble back to work about midnight, and the gates were all shut. So we then start climbing the gates to get to get in, and as I'm climbing the gate, he's the other side, and I'm like, "How the hell did you get there that quick?" The side gate was open, <laughs> and I was scaling this fence. Yeah, oh, so funny. Oh, the things we do. The things we do, indeed. <laughs> um, and it's time to meet uh, the creepiest of the ghosts. Maybe you could argue the ghost of Christmas past. Now, I will say this: originally, oh. I won't say it's the creepiest, but yeah, originally Absolutely the creepiest, but not for the right reasons. She's horrifying to look at. <laughs> Originally, these three ghosts were supposed to be played by regular Muppet characters. So the ghost of Christmas past was supposed to be Robin the Frog or Scooter. And that is the answer to which major character is missing. It's Scooter. Scooter's not in this film. I want Scoot. Why wasn't... Oh, he would have been great. Yep. Scooter 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 so much. 
Yeah. Not not as funny, but he yeah, could have been yeah, Dickens. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who else he can make him. You could have had him just be some random, but yeah, yeah he's yeah, not shown yeah. at all. Uh, Ghost of Christmas Press. I'll leave these as we go through each Ooh. one. I'll sort of say. So that was that one. So instead, they decided they're more powerful if we leave them to be other like new new creations. Yeah, because otherwise, it's it's just Scooter as the Ghost of Christmas Past, and it doesn't get to be its own character. And this is important, I think, to have Scrooge engage with. That needs to be genuine. That needs to be a character. That does. That can't be Scooter. That has to be. He's going the Ghost of Christmas Past. Yeah. So they create one. How this was done, though, was they made a special puppet that was operated in a tank of water, so it has that flowing feel to the to the dress and stuff. That's like so that. cool. A green screen behind that, and then superimposed that into the scene. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, clever and really visually. All three ghosts very visually different, and yeah. of course they generally are. But how do you do it with puppets? Yeah, so really well done, I thought. Um. She says she's here for Scrooge's welfare. Scrooge, much like myself, says a good night's sleep would be, would, would be better for my welfare. <laughs> yeah. She kind of goes, well, fine, then I'm here for your salvation then. <laughs> uh, and takes him back to school. And we're told these are shadows of the past. You can't engage with them. And, like, Scrooge, the minute he goes back to his school, he's like, there's my friends. Yeah, I li- He reverts back to kind of being a child again. So I think you would, though, because if you've been shown this and you remember happy times sure. at that and you've and you've actually seen it for yourself as an adult, you would go back to that. And we're told it's the smells, it's the odors, it's the sounds, each of which he knew and had forgotten. I think you would go back to that sort of place in your life. Ellie? This is the section that I can't remember seeing before. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I Uh, don't remember any of the Christmas past bit. It's an all right bit. Um, There's a great pan down of the great thinkers. You know, there's Socrates and there's Aristotle and there's Shakespeare. And then we keep panning and it's just Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat. <laughs> yeah. um, and so Scrooge sees himself at school and all the other kids are going off for Christmas. And they're, I know you have to, he, Scrooge had just said, that's my best friend Jimmy or whatever his name is. Now, whether he really was or not, different story. Yeah. But he goes, Ebenezer never goes home for Christmas. He goes, what's so good about stupid old Christmas? And you can see Michael Caine does a really good job in this scene of sort of trying to evoke that fake, even as an, as an adult, even as, a, as an older adult, yeah. that kind of fake bravado you do when you don't want someone to know you've been hurt. Yeah. And it, was, it, was, it, was, it was good. It, was, it yeah. was more time for study. And you can see he's affected but still can't let himself admit that he was lonely at that point in his yeah. life. So, um, and then we're told the years performed their terrible dance. And I'm like, that's a really poignant metaphor for life in it for aging yeah the years did their terrible dance (sighs) strong stuff strong stuff indeed and we're introduced there's one boy who's like the middle aged of scrooge because there's three different scrooges i think at this point the middle one doesn't get a line he just gets to like walk (laughs) around in two different outfits and bring like an abacus to his table (laughs) but then we get the third one and the third one is introduced to sam the eagle as his headmaster and he goes, uh, one day your life will be as sturdy as this school building. Of course, yeah, cracks and falls. I've been meaning to fix that. <laughs> and he goes, you are going to be a man of business. Business. It is the American way. <laughs> oh, I love this and bit. And Gonza goes, whisper, 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 whisper. He goes, it is the British way. <laughs> But then he looks back and he's like, what just happened? Like, he has this look of, like, I know he has no reaction really, but he just like, mm-hmm. yeah, as if like, he just disappeared from existence. And, I love it. And you know what? The young version of Scrooge at this point, he just has the one line he says twice. He just goes, yes, headmaster. I think he's brilliant. In those two little, he just kind of acts like this, just like Michael Caine, 
plays it straight. As you, yes, headmaster. Yeah, but nails it. Yeah. Maybe he's my favorite character. Maybe Ooh. maybe young Scrooge with the one line. I'm still going to predict your own favorite character. There we go. <laughs> and then as they go to leave, uh, as they're walking away, you just hear Sam the Eagle say, you're going to London. Remember, don't tip the driver. <laughs> uh, and this is interesting because usually this, the headmaster is usually presented as 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 a bad man, as a corrupt man, yeah. as as a guy who's not really doing Scrooge a favor. Because the theory is in Dickens' works, he often represents young men, boys, as being let down by adults. Oh, okay. Because his own dad was sent to debtor's prison. He had to drop out of school and go to work in a blackening factory, all these sorts of things. So adults used to present it as bad. But the way they got him out of this was in the book is they have little Fan, his sister, comes and rescues yes, him. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Says the father is so much nicer than he used to be. And basically that's what rescues him from this. Yeah. Um, that, and then we find out that Fan dies in childbirth and she's Fred's mother, right? Ooh. And that explains some of the coldness maybe towards towards Fred because he loves his sister. Yeah. Um, that might have been a bit too much for a kid's film. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, it's implied she dies in childbirth, but I mean, like, it's still like she's dead. And unlike Tiny Tim who comes back, she's dead. You know yeah, what I mean? She, like, she dies, dies. Yeah, she yeah. dies. So that's that. And Scrooge definitely holds Fred responsible. Now, I'm going to say I think this is important and we'll come to this later because there's, I think, I think the character of Little Fan is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to explain something that happens later, but we'll we'll we'll, like we'll get there. I thought you were going to say about the teacher being um, seen as a, a villain in the piece was so that the people he looked up to is who he becomes. Maybe I mean, yeah. I mean, the only thing he's a man of business—that's a big thing. Yeah, and so it's like, and we hear he's going to be—he's been apprenticed to a good man yeah. in London, and uh, let's go to the good man here, and we get Fozzie Wig and Mom Limited. The rubber chicken factory, factory, which is, you know, it's it's a little bit of, and so humor there. I think it is is genuinely the most luckiest pun they could have ever had for a character. It is because also I think Fozzie's the best choice of a character. So they really did luck out here. He's the character who should have played this role. Absolutely. I don't know what the relationship is between Fozziewood and mom. Because at points she says son, but at times she calls him his wife. Mm. And I'm like, and he keeps, I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) <laughs> traditionally it's mrs fezziwick yes, it, it is his wife but i don't know what they're he doing with it mom, in the Muppets but then he says my wife. <laughs> um and so um scrooge says ah oh, it's fozziwig in business he was as hard and ruthless as a rose petal <laughs> <laughs> and the marleys are young and fozziwig can't get everybody to be quiet so then animal gets his one line of the piece yeah and that's for I really need I need animal in really small doses, yeah. and this film did it right. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Because I hate animal. And he goes, "Here's my Christmas speech. Thank you all, and Merry Christmas." <laughs> and um, Stadler and Waldorf go, "That was pointless. It was whatever. It was it was it was, it was, it was short. short. We I love it." it. <laughs> so I've learned short speeches are the best. They are. For we a also got a that tiny we do that goes over two hours. <laughs> We also got a tiny bit of the Swedish chef here as well, singing Deck the Halls. Yeah, Swedish chef is in there. That's good. I'm glad he got a moment. He's chopping up something. Oh, that's right. He is too. Yeah. Um, Scrooge meets Belle, and Michael Caine is great here. Mm. The all the stuff with Belle, like I totally believe this is his ex girlfriend who he loves. Um, you can see a lot of regret in his eyes. Yeah being revisited back yeah and wanting to hang on to this moment yeah 
And he says, there's another Christmas we need to go to. He goes, no, no, don't show me this. Don't show me this. And they show the next one where they're sitting by like a skating rink. Mm. Like all these, like you said, it was looking like a Christmas card or something yeah, like it did, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was a graveyard at first. No. It's like a lake, isn't it? I think it's a frozen lake, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says he won't marry her because there's not enough money yet, and they break up. And Scrooge gets really upset and says, these are the shadows that things that have been, that they are what they are. Don't blame me. I keep doing an Irish accent because I'm too used to hearing the Jim Carrey version. <laughs> these are the shadows of things that have been. <laughs> the fact they are what they are. Don't blame me. <laughs> Don't blame me. And he goes, leave me, spirit. Leave me. And I'll tell you what they did leave. They left out a song. And yeah. Georgia, oh, you God, messaged yeah. me and you went, here's this lost song. I went, a lost song. And I turned it on and went, what do you mean it's a lost song? It's the credit song. This version, no, this version with the song was in the Canadian release. Oh, oh really? The VHS I watched had this. So, Love is Gone is a song performed by the character Belle, portrayed by Meredith Braun, as she laments that Scrooge's love of money has replaced his love of her. It was deleted from the 1992 theatrical version by friend of the podcast, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yay. Of Walt Disney Studios, who believed the following scene would not appeal to young children. I'm going to say he might not be wrong. No. But I'm also going to say we got lots of Muppets for you. Chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it a couple of minutes. Because I think I remember seeing this, the singing one. Yeah. But not for a long, long while. I so see. I don't know whether I see it on a different release. I yeah. don't know. Because instead the song appeared and it was played during the end credits. Uh, director Brian Henson objected to this decision as the concluding song, The Love We Found, is a direct counterpoint to it, which it is. It's the same melody. Yeah. And they just changed a couple of words around it. Uh Henson commented, but Love is Gone was not in theatrical release and is presently missing from some copies of the movie, which is a real shame. It's only included on some home media releases of The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. The VHS version I had in Canada had this scene. Yeah, I have seen it. So um, it's now available in the extras, which you can find. We watched it before we came on the podcast. We did. It's a bit long. It's a bit long. Yeah. But it's okay. The movie could use a breath. You're about to have a really fun part. It's okay. Give us a sad point for him to go out on, so that juxtaposition's better. And there's that nice little bit where she goes over the bridge, where Michael Caine is on the bridge too, and they pass each other. Yeah. And that's a nice little moment. Because otherwise, it just seems like it's a way too easy of a breakup. Yeah. Like, maybe you want a medium spot, but there isn't one, so I take the long version over the short version. Because I get the feeling there's been nobody else since her. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it for him in love. Because that was something that he never got over. Yeah, because there's always the chase of money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like Tinder is a thing then. No. No. Uh, Ellie. Yeah, the thing is, there isn't really a breakup. It's, it's not actually explicitly said. And like I could have done with a bit more of Belle in the, yeah. in the film, really, because she just sort of, she's there for all of two seconds and then she disappears. So it would have been nice to have a song that actually explains what's happened and give her a bit more of a role. Yeah, it is heartbreaking in the book. Her, yeah. Like she just asked him several questions. Another and idol has displaced me. What idol? A golden one. Golden one, yeah. Who? Yeah. And that's got religious things about, you know, golden idols and yeah. that you shouldn't do that in a Christian society. So, yeah. Um, and the idea that our contract, would you still marry me today if, if, if you hadn't made this promise? Would you still marry me today? I'm penniless. Would you still do this? Would it be a prudent decision? And he kind of goes, well, I never said. And he said, you don't have to say. I can, mm. I can tell. And he does, she leaves and he doesn't fight. Yeah. And so, especially for, I mean, I love this film. I love the story. Uh, we, we can talk about role of women, especially in a Victorian society. I mean, there's a reason why it's sort of framed the way it is. But this was a moment you had, and you actually literally threw it away. Yep. So, yeah, there's a problem. Yeah, Belle, Belle is a great part in the in the actual 
book. So it was a bit sad to see her dwindled down to such a small thing um, in the in our cut of this. Brian Henson has promised it will come back. They will put yeah. it back in. Yeah. Oh, has yeah. he? Yeah, they will. Oh, cool. So uh, it's already in the 4K. It'll be included in all future 4K releases, but they think they're going to get it onto the Disney Plus cut, although it's not the one we saw. No, it's not. No. no. So, uh, and at this point, he asks him to leave, and the Ghost of Christmas Past leaves, and we're introduced to someone who looked at me last year when I had my hair nice and long. And my beard nice and big. Yeah. Ghost of Christmas present. This is me. Come in, man. I would never, I, just need, a, I need a version of that puppet because that's like no me in puppet better. form when my beard is big. <laughs> He's a little heavier than I am, but yeah. I love this character. Oh, it's one of my all-time favorite I characters ever. Yeah. And I think I said when we did the talk about Jim Carrey's version, when he's doing the Ghost Christmas present, he's pretending to be someone. It's this. He's just doing an impression of the Muppet Christmas Carol, Ghost oh, Christmas okay. present. Because yeah. this is the best version of this character of ever. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he gets to introduce Scrooge to Christmas morning because Scrooge doesn't feel Christmas. And he went, let's introduce you to Christmas. And before we do that, let's introduce you to another caroler, shall we? Shall we? Let's Ding do dong. That. Ding dong goes the doorbell. Who <laughs> could that be? Hey, guys. This is Carlo from Thief's Monthly Movie Loot Podcast. I want to wish Ian, Liam, and everybody at Best Film Ever Podcast, especially their listeners, happy holidays and a happy new year. He's hoping that 2021 brings a loot of great things for everybody. And if that loot includes the best Christmas film ever, Die Hard, better yet. Yippee motherfucker. <laughs> that might be my favorite one so far. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, Carlo from Thieves Movie Loot Podcast. Uh, he's great. Oh. He's the guy who I kept having to send all those things back saying, here's another great movie. He's like, seen it. Here's another one. Seen it. Oh. Like, oh, he's great. He's the one who says, uh, he thinks we're de- we, we deserve all the greatness that we might get. Oh, yeah, so thank, thank you, Carlo. You. Yeah. Very, very kind. And very, a Merry very Christmas positive. to you, Carlo. Merry Christmas to Carlo. Um, so we meet uh, Christmas. And first thing we meet about Christmas is we meet creepy band puppets. Yes, they're kind they of very creepy. They were like just like these fleshy, like unfinished Muppets, and they all look so angry. Yeah, it was. Do you guys know which ones I'm talking about? The ones who were like the, the marching band like, uniform. The ones that look like botched um, cabbage patch kids. Yes, they yes. were like garbage pail kids. That was yeah. my thought. Yes. Yeah, they're weird. They were they're weird. They make me weird. real uncomfortable. Yeah, it's mean. it's kind of weird. They go, "What's the one thing they can't do? Convincing humanoid puppets. <laughs> 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 Everything else, we can make a frog walk. We can do <laughs> can't make a human being." <laughs> um. And so uh, the buildings in the London street scenes were constructed by hand. And London looked great. Can we just acknowledge oh, it's this? it's amazing. Uh, but they were diminished in size as they get further away to achieve the appearance that the streets are longer and the city is bigger. Um, when the musical sequence, it feels like Christmas ends, uh, it ends with a crane shot and the short buildings become visibly seen in the background. Yeah. Brian Henson explained in the DVD commentary that they were aware of the problem during shooting but decided the closing shot was worth it and they believe now people would notice the error. Who cares about the error? It looks great. Yeah, I don't know. They're way overthinking that. It just yeah, looks fantastic. It looks amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Brian, you've got nothing to worry about. And then what about the song? In the corner of a street corner choir, it's going home and getting warm by, by the fire. fire. It seems this wherever is my you favorite find Christmas love, song. It feels like, like Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> it, uh, I really like this one. It's nice. It is the season. I gotta stop. <laughs> uh, it is fantastic, though. It is. I just think it's if you want a song that makes me feel Christmas is here and it, it, this is this is the three minute bit of it to actually do it like this is this gets me in the Christmas spirit the song it by nice. itself it nice. my sister it's so good I think it's my sister I'm not sure if it was me or my sister one of us had the CD soundtrack 
wow. to this uh, film. And so this was on the rotation of like mixed CDs and things like that. For Actually, years. I've just thought I bought the soundtrack on vinyl last year. Did you really? And I still haven't played it yet. Oh, there's an excuse. There wow. you go. There's an excuse to do that. We had yeah. a, a listener last week who said that it, the soundtrack was their tree trimming music. So there yeah. you go. Something for your Christmas season. Oh. Um, and Scrooge now gets Christmas. <laughs> One song. Just like I, he's just, I get it. <laughs> Eureka. Christmas is fun. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> it always was. Uh, and they go to Fred's house. Uh, Fred's house is the name of a very, very nice folk band in the region. Fred's house out of Cambridge, I believe it is. Uh, what's that? No, the, the, band, the name of the band. It's called Fred's House. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the name of the band. Oh, okay. I don't know if Wait, like, you're, you're Cambridge or our Cambridge? No, you're Cambridge. Oh. Our collective Cambridge. I've got to look this up. <laughs> Fred's House, they're really quite oh, good. Oh, so my Cambridge. Your Cambridge, yeah, yeah. They're really quite good. So oh. there we go. Uh, and they play the yes and no game, which we know is 20 questions. Yep. Uh, this is with Fred and Clara. And Clara's a very pretty girl. She is. I might have cast Clara as Belle. Yeah. I might have. She only had a very small part, though, didn't she? Who, Belle or Clara? Yeah, Belle. Well, Clara doesn't have much bigger Both part, either, does she? She looks prettier, though, in this. Well, Clara, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say without saying it, but yeah. I like her hair as well. So. Yeah, she the, just, yeah. Corkscrew curls and stuff. Maybe they thought they looked, they looked really similar and therefore were, like, a good visual match. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But she was really nice. She, could have, she sort of just shone on the screen, I thought. She did. Uh, we get the joy in games, and that's Christmas. And in my house growing up, I mean, games were so important at Christmas time. Absolutely. You finish your food, you finish your presents, food, and then it's games. But that's borderline like um, fighting, isn't it? <laughs> with, uh, with games. It starts could, off great. Depending on who your family is, you could be, you could be tempting fate there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, ghost of Christmas present. I never talked about who the original Muppet choice for this was. Oh, who was the original choice? Oh, I'm so glad they went the way it went. Because it could have been hiya. Oh, really? Yeah, it could have been Miss Piggy. Oh, that would have been awful. That would have been a disaster. She she would not give that. It would have just been setting up piggy jokes. jokes. And I think yeah. if you've listened to our Muppet one, I don't like Miss Piggy. I never have. So mm. such is. Uh, we go to Fred's house. They play the yes and no game. And it comes down to and Fred even states it for us. It's an unwanted creature, but it's not a rat or a cockroach. And they go... It's your Uncle Scrooge. He goes, yeah, it is. I like how they get cockroach in there. Because <sighs> in the original, they just go, is he is he a bear? He goes, yes and no. And it's like, it's all inferential. Yeah. And he doesn't come out and say like, he's a jerk that no one likes. But in this one, he does. And I'm like, if I'm Scrooge, it breaks my heart a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a bit sad because Fred's portrayed as a really nice, genuine person. And then he does this behind his back. And it was uh-huh. like, oh. I don't want to be faithful to the novel, but it didn't have the time to be as subtle as it needed to be. I think also you have to now start feeling sorry for Scrooge. So you got, yeah. to, you know, we hated him at the beginning. We now got to start feeling sorry for. How him. How can we get him? Yeah, because we need to be okay with him being forgiven. Yeah, and then he I needs to been achieve okay with something. It. And the achievement is going into that room and being welcomed, not being unwanted. Yeah, yeah. I would have been okay with it if it was Clara playing the game, and Fred was one yeah. of the guesses. But that's got to have a bigger impact, hasn't it? It's got to have it's, a bigger it's, it's impact on him. It's handled much more tastefully in the novella. Oh, okay. He's still the choice, and they still yeah, make yeah. things like, you know, um, he's, there's, the idea is he's a bear, and there's, but cockroach and rat, never, yeah, no, 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 no. That was a bit too far. He's not vermin in that one. He's just no. kind of a grumpy guest is basically how it comes out. Yeah. Although it was quite nice to have them comparing him to a rat when Rizzo was in the room. Yeah, it would have been great if Rizzo went, hey! Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, I thought he did at one point. Yeah, I thought he says present or something. Oh, does he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. He acknowledges it somehow. 
and uh, then and, and the spirit's really quite gentle with him at that moment. Mm. He goes, "Let's go somewhere else." And we find that it's Bob Cratchit's house, and we go in and we meet Miss. Mrs. Cratchit, played by Miss Piggy, who we meet for her first appearance 53 minutes into the film. Thank God. Thank God. Because I can't stomach. No, I'll say this. <laughs> they, too much of Miss Piggy. They used Piggy in the right way here. Yeah. This is well done because it's the right amount of Piggy in the right situations too. Mm. And at no point does she take over the story. She just adds to the story. Because yeah. Mrs. Cratchit is really unlikable, I, I feel, mm. in Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, not Muppet, it's in, a, in the legit Christmas Carol. Georgia, you kind of on the same page there? Yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty mean. I mean, the bit that we get in a minute with them trying to toast to Scrooge and um, Mrs. Cratchit kind of takes over and makes it um, mean and that sort of thing. Like, of course, it's muppetized in this it's version, but it's, it's pretty close, yeah. There's a list of adjectives. You just don't have the two twins going... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can kind of understand it from her point of view because... Sure. You know, she they've got a big family. Yeah. You know, her, she's never... Well, I don't think she's ever really met Scrooge, I don't think. Only heard more by, Probably. by what yep. Bob Cratchit has said, so... You know, she's only trying to stick up for her own. Yeah. Which, which, which you do, don't you? It's a bit, I mean, you also would have to consider in Victorian times, her speaking up the way she is over Bob at Christmas would not be cool. No, it wouldn't. But you also got to remember the Miss Piggy character who is very domineering right. of Kermit. Right, but I'm saying, but in the actual novella, Mrs. Cratchit does overrule her oh, husband. Okay. First, so that's why I think she's unlike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Ellie. I could have really done without the two extra Miss Piggies. Yeah, though. I agree with yeah. you on that. The one like, daughter is legitimately there. I think it's B- Belinda's there, but Bettina's a fictional yeah. one they made up. But there are yeah. more younger Cratchits yeah. in the in the novella, and that I think it's just a matter yeah. of just how do you manage numbers. Okay, it's just it's just the fact that Miss Piggy is a bit much on her own, so yeah. she then having her duplicate her. Yeah. Oh my god, no! Uh, yeah, and then we get. Uh, Kind of a reprise, but kind of a song in itself. Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. Yes. I love this scene so much. It's so good. Why do you love this scene so much, buddy? I think it's a mix of, one, the music. One, I absolutely love Robin the Frog so much. He's so adorable. But it's also the practical effect of seeing them, like, just walking to the beat. And I've seen this so many times. And... I know we were all freaking out about, like, the candle being blown out. But this still gets me because the camera is moving. The location is, like, going backwards as well. But they're still keeping up. It's it's incredible. Yeah, so this requires ten puppeteers. Uh, Liam, you noticed this. It was a rotating drum covered in fake snow beneath their feet. Which I hadn't ever You can see before, it spinning. Yeah, I I had, again, I'm wa- see, I forgot, even though I made the note in my notes. Yeah. I'm just watching the film, and you went, oh, I can see it. And I yeah, went, yeah. it's just amazing how even with the knowledge, you go, I have to look for that. I'm still sucked in by the magic. Oh, no, it's crazy. Um, so 10 puppeteers, a rotating drum, and if you pay close attention, you can see it. Behind that, there would have been a blue screen and various puppeteers working the characters' limbs and mouths. And, of course, these were swapped for lit-up London homes in post-production. Ten puppeteers to make that shot happen. And it looks fantastic. It looks amazing. It's so good. And it's a lovely... And the idea that him and Tiny Tim are doing this, like, two-part harmony, not only in notes, but also in rhythm Mm -hmm. that complement each other, it shows you a bond and a kinship that when that's broken, you're like, oh, my God. So a really great introduction, not for Bob, but for Tiny Tim. Absolutely. Uh, it's also one of the few adaptations that shows how sick Tiny Tim is because he coughs during Christmas dinner. Usually he's just really happy. And we yeah. go, the crutch means he's sick. Yeah. You can see he's already sick. 
Uh, it suggests maybe whooping cough or pneumonia. Uh, tuberculosis, tuberculosis is also a big shout at that I'll point. Just, I'll just hit that. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a toast to the founder of the feast, Mr. Scrooge. As we've already said, Miss Piggy decides she's not going to do that. It's a nice little bit, which was used in the trailer. Odious, mean-spirited. And all the time they're like, hmm, <laughs> and then Bob just goes, you, know, you make a better Miss Piggy than you do Kermit. Do I? Yeah. I was just I about to say the exact take, same you thing. You can take over Frank Oz. Yeah, uh, you do. You do a, good Miss Piggy. Well, there we go. I'll take that. The character I hate. So there we go. In, in, in the novella, um, Bob Cratchit speaks to him and goes, My dear, Christmas Day. The children. He's, and he kind of. He does. He kind of like brings it, her yeah. back down. Yeah. But in this one, it's 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 Robin. One. Tell the founder of the feast, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> And they go, oh, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. And then we get the song, Bless Us All, which is the Tiny Tim Mama Cratchit duet. And I'm sorry, I just wrote down, eh. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's one of the weak ones. Definitely. Yep. The camera movement and the lighting is just really strange. It fit, it fit, like, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, like, you got those Christmas specials on TV and they have, like, an old, out-of-date singers, like, sit on a piano and lie somewhere. It just felt like that with the lighting. So, at this point, the spirit starts to die and says that, you know, Scrooge is now really torn up that Tiny Tim might die. And he goes, well, if, he better, if he's going to die, he better do it and, and decrease the surplus population. Nice callback. Very cool. Always Very love nice that in, in, in the book. Yeah. Um, here's my thing. I think you need to have little fan in his past and knowing what it's like to lose someone so small and fragile and helpless. Yes. Because then we get another small, helpless, fragile character in the present in Tiny yeah. Tim. And he's able to take his loss from that scene, put it here. Because my issue has always been, why does Scrooge care so much about Tiny Tim? Yeah. Yeah. Why is this one kid that he's finally got his eyes opened? And I think that link's important. I don't know if you can do it with Muppets, but mm. I, I still think it's really important to Scrooge's development to see loss and go, I don't want to see that happen to that. I don't want to see it happen to that family because I remember what it was like for me when my sister died. Yeah. You know, and these things aren't kind of fully understood, which maybe you can't do with Muppets, but still. Yeah. Um, we uh, Scrooge says, oh, not Scrooge, Dickens says, but nothing could stop the relentless march of those terrible bells. And I thought, that's not a good metaphor for mm. life, isn't it? Uh, but he twinkles as he dies. He God does. bless him. Nice little twinkle. And then we get the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and Dickens and Rizzo bail. And I thought this was great. <laughs> Too scary for the guy who wrote it. I agree. There's a Good. vortex they have to travel through, which looks so cool. Yeah. Because all three of them travel in different ways. It was so cool. I also love the fact that the... The Ghost of Christmas Past? No, Future? Yet to come, yep. Yet to come. Um, I also like the fact he doesn't talk. No, he's quiet and he's still. He's and do you know who the original choice for this was? Ooh. Quiet and still. Arnie. Let's say, who's <laughs> the most inappropriate you could have for this? Oh my God, with this animal. Not, I think animal's on the short list, but it was actually going to be Gonzo. Oh, okay. So have you seen that gif of like Gonzo as like a Sith? Have you seen that like meme where Gonzo's oh, nose is sticking oh. out? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what they were going for. The idea that you're supposed to, and at the end it would be revealed to be Gonzo and be like, hi. But, you know, I think it's better to play this straight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, God, no. That would totally ruin it with like Scrooge being so terrified and upset him just going, you're going to die soon. It's fine. So we get a few <laughs> quick scenes we hit. We have the scene where the businessman will only go to the funeral of someone named Guy if lunch is provided. We have a scene where some stuff, like Scrooge's stuff's getting pawned off in front of him by his employees, and he's not putting two and two together yet. I always no. found that a bit strange. Yeah. I really didn't like this bit. Well, I think it shows the underbelly, and it's very it's very Oliver Twist, this su- bit. 
you're not supposed to like this no. bit. Like it's you at this point you're no, you're on Scrooge's only, side. It only gets better though if you know that's his. If it's not inferential and you know that's his housekeeper, yeah. Then we get, so the important thing is we need to get there before Scrooge does. And I'm not sure if this film allows you the opportunity to necessarily. No, you need yeah, to know that more, you know. There's a lot more detail in the book. Yeah. Again, it's more it's done more slowly and over a few pages, and you get the idea that they've taken these things from this man who's still lying dead in his bed, but they've taken the blankets from off of him and the curtains from around him because he's now got nothing left. Like, it's very much done in a way that makes you realise who it is before before Scrooge realises who it is. But in this one, it's like, oh, no, this is obvious that they're, that they're talking about Scrooge. Speaking of realising things yeah. before the characters do, we go to Bob Cratchit's house, mm. and Piggy's yeah. crying. And almost the same scene, because she was eating chestnuts, and now they're rushing her because she's crying. And they want brave faces for Bob, and Bob uh, comes in and says he picked out a place for Tim on, on a hill so he can look at the ducks. Uh, outside there's a Dutch angle as Scrooge tries to bargain with the ghost of Christmas yet to come which I thought was really nice Uh, and Kermit nails it I mean life is full of meetings and partings and let's remember Tiny Tim as best we can in the first of the partings that we will have among us and I'm like geez it's a beautiful concept it is for life meetings and partings and as you go on they become more partings than meetings and I'm like yeah nice it's deep stuff really works well Amongst the Muppets? Yeah. And Kermit's the right guy to deliver because that message. there's such a, a yeah. difference. Uh, and then we have a slow reveal of the crutch in the corner by the yeah. fire. Mm. Uh, we go to the graveyard. Um, Scrooge is saying these things that might be or things that must be. And Kane is acting his socks off because he says life can be changed. And he's not yelling. He's not doing That's that. so good. There's control in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he finally does beg the, the spirit, goes on his knees. And as he falls onto the spirit, he falls onto the bed. I had a slight issue. He says, tell me I may sponge out the writing on the stone. The quote, sponge away, sponge away the writing <laughs> on the stone. Uh, and then we get what's called stay five. Scrooge is happy to be alive. Uh, Dickens is outside on the windowsill and he goes, what wrong could happen now? You know, Scrooge has changed. And they open the window and down he falls, which I would like to go. You were aware of every light opening earlier yes, in the were. story, yeah. sir. Like you were supposed to be omniscient. WTF, Gonzo the Great. <laughs> Still a funny joke. It is. Uh, Scrooge finds that same little boy, gives him some money to buy him a goose. Goose, yeah. A goose. Yay. Um, I thought it was a turkey. It's a turkey. It is a turkey by the time it shows up, but yeah, he tells he him explicitly goose. to get the goose. He surprised a turkey. turkey. Oh, does he? Okay, yeah. my bad. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We had this discussion when we were watching We had this discussion, yeah. yeah. I was talking My favorite notes. part, though, is like when he's like, what day is it? He's like, Christmas day. He's like, oh, smart lad. And the little rabbit just... It gets so flustered and happy. He's like, it oh, is, yeah. It is the, the one that's as big as he's all like excited. Yeah, yeah. Life is purpose. Hopefully he can like can't find a place to live. I don't know if this is enough to get him out of the cold, but yeah. And then we, oh, Scrooge meets the portly gentleman, gives a big donation, and Beaker gives Scrooge his scarf, which yeah, is a nice moment. Nice and we begin the song, Thankful Heart. Joyful prayer and a thankful heart. Mm. Bum, 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 bum. Mm. Uh, this is basically Scrooge going shopping, and everything's open on Christmas Day. Yeah. So Bob Cratchit lectured him about no one's going to be open tomorrow, <laughs> and like everything's open except for Scrooge. <laughs> so true. I never realized that until I started that sentence, and I went, "Hang on, <laughs> Bob, you've scammed your way out of Christmas here." He's laying back, having a beer, going, "Fooled him." <laughs> if if he comes to a door, we're not home. <laughs> <laughs> we're in someone else's three bubble household absolutely um and as the song goes on beaker's scarf has grown miraculously three sizes funny that because it was a little scarf and now it's a full-size human scarf 
uh, give some coal to the bookkeepers, and the creators tell a funny story uh, from screenings because children asked why were the bookkeepers so what did they do wrong? They got coal at the end, and they completely escaped the mind that Santa gives coal to bad people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, towards the end of the scene, you can see a haberdashery called Stadler and Waldorf. It shows up twice. Uh, and in the final note, you can, and Liam, you were looking for this, there is a store in the background called... Micklewhite. And that's because Sir Michael Caine was born Maurice <laughs> Joseph... Micklewhite. Micklewhite. Yeah. So that's a nice little nod to his original name. Yep. Uh, they kind of mix up the order of Fred's party and Cratchit's party. Uh, at the end, in the, in the novella, Scrooge doesn't go to dinner at um, Cratchit's, Cratchit's house. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't see him till the next day. Sends him a turkey, but doesn't say who it's from. Oh. And he then goes to um, Fred's party. And that's what he does. They have dinner at Fred's. Uh, okay. And they're literally doing that same, I know who it is. It's your Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> and right then, everybody goes there and he asks if he can stay. After being invited so many times, he asks if he can stay. He says, oh, I'll stay my heart. if you'll have me. And he knows they've just been making fun of him. Yeah. They, he knows because he's seen the scene already. Yeah. And you go, you know they've just made fun of you. And then going, can I, can I come for dinner? <sighs> And they overwhelmingly, like, bring him in and embrace him and love him. But you could easily go, screw you. I, screw oh, you, Scrooge. Screw you and screw Christmas. I've learned yeah, nothing. Yeah. Tax everybody. Oof. Um, and so in the actual book, Cratchit shows up late the next day. Because basically his excuse was I was making Mary, which means I'm uh, hungover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 17 and a half minutes late. And Scrooge then like pretends he's going to fire him and then raises his salary. In this version, you get Miss Piggy. And Miss Piggy was good here. I'm finally going to give him a piece of my mind. That yeah. was okay. That was okay. Uh, and yeah, in the final it's kind bit, of the overreaction you expect from Miss Piggy, isn't it? So yeah. it fit in quite nicely. And so they all have dinner at, at the Cratchits, including Fred. Yeah. I don't know why Fred's there, but he's there. But his wife isn't. Yeah. Some people felt that maybe this showed that Fred was going down the same dark road as Scrooge. Now, what in the... Like, he gives the charity verse. All it was was the actress wasn't available that day. I was going to say, so maybe Fred shouldn't have been there. Maybe Fred shouldn't... There's no reason why Fred should be there. But then everybody's there. So, I mean, there's a couple... That's kind of our film. So, you know, in one of the crowd sequences, we get a lobster hanging out of a basement window. That's a reference to the line, like bad lobster in a dark cellar, which is a weird uh, form of sort of phrase uh several characters from fraggle rock make appearances in the film uh sprocket but you can also find mudwell the mud bunny wander mccooch and several of the minstrels but it's the first production to not include any members from sesame street oh. uh and no, some big people bird. consider they this- should have had big bird to eat <laughs> oh, some people consider this to be one of the darkest and more upsetting movie versions i think yours just made it worse <laughs> if you had that uh and that's part of the reason why love is gone was taken out uh, some fans also found the song Marley and Marley to be uh, disturbing, and The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come to be disturbing. And I think that's all right. I think it's supposed you need to be. It. It's yeah. supposed to be, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's something okay with I mean, I really like the way that, that, that Kermit describes death. It's a series of yeah. meetings and goodbyes, you yeah. know. And that's a nice way to sort of handle this, rather than go, it doesn't exist. And I... I I, I didn't like the ghost come as a kid. It scared me, but that, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, it's not, because all the things that scare you, we see this as a, a fun, not a fun movie. What's, it is a bit of a fun movie. It is. But, um, and he wins at the end. It's a yeah, redemptive story. Very, very much If it so. ended with Scrooge dying and going, then, yeah, yeah like, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it ends well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you need that yep. darkness in there to counteract the happy ending. And as the bard once said, all's well that ends well. Absolutely. There we go. Yeah. I don't know. Are we just being too mean people? Or are we just be, are we Stadler and Waldorf here? What do you guys think about the... Uh, is it too dark? Uh, no, it's perfect. Okay. It's a ghost story. You it's supposed it. to be dark. Yeah. Yep. I don't think it's dark at all. I think it, like... It's not dark enough. It like it, it very no. I think it gets that fine line really well, especially see, for like the kids bunny's stuff. frozen corpse in the morning after he's like shivering. Oh, no. in his oh. Yeah, I, t- I, I want Scrooge. No, yeah. I want Ghost of Christmas Present here. to like throw Scrooge into the open. And he's like, oh, what's this? And he picks it up, but he but like because the bunny's so frozen, it oh, just goes Ethan. in half. Ethan. Ethan. That's dark. <laughs> Too much drink. Too many, too much Baileys. Too much Baileys. Uh, Ellie, are you, still, are you still thinking it's a bit too dark? I never said it was too dark. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think I think the ghost of Christmas yet to come is is really creepy, but I think it's really well done. Yeah, um, so I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. Oh, I think it's I think it's good. It's just I think it's surprisingly dark though. That scene, it's sort of um, although there are references to death and things throughout the film, it, it there's a very sudden tonal shift. But you need that, yeah. You need that to have the payoff at the ending. Well, speaking of payoffs towards the ending, I think I've heard a little doorbell again. Ding dong. Ding dong. <laughs> Let's see who it is. Let's see if I hit the... Oh, no, I have hit the right one. I know who this is for a fact. So here we go. Cool. Hey, this is Sarah from Blackbird, and advocacy podcast. I just want to send a very special merry and happy Christmas to everyone at Best Film Ever and to all of your listeners and to let everybody know that my favorite Christmas movie is Love Actually. Happy Christmas. Oh, nice Merry vote for Christmas, Love yeah. Actually, which won the yeah. audience poll in our, in our thing, it is didn't a good it? Movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. It was, yeah. it was our number two. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. is there a number, number one? It's her favorite. She does a lot of work with the pod VCOM, where the V stands for virtual. virtual. So it was really nice to go ahead and reach out and send out some messages. That's Blackbird, an advocacy podcast you can find on all your pod chaser of choice. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Um, let's go ahead and keep the merriment going by talking about money. Money, money, money. We learned nothing, unlike Scrooge. <laughs> so uh, I actually didn't remember to look up the budget, which was a what? shame. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's got their ability really quickly as I uh, as I make make some time here to go ahead and talk about because this couldn't have been a cheap endeavor. No, if you think about all the custom building that had to happen, yeah, you're at a studio, but all the custom building. Michael Caine probably isn't coming that cheap. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he wants to work for the Muppets, and but I don't think he's coming for free. No. Okay, so then, and then you know, all all the puppeteers and all the puppets who may have to build for this. I'm gonna say twenty three million is the budget. Yeah. Oh, here's a fun game. We never really did this. What's the budget for? Okay, great. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go north of that. I'll say thirty five million. Ooh. Anybody else want to have a go at what the budget was? Um, I know that the Jim Henson production company is quite thrifty but i don't know whether they would bid on this one George, um, you're leaning so far into the camera it looks like you're reading off the screen <laughs> oh i'm not sorry <laughs> it's like you're scanning for the answer <laughs> no 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 i'm just looking forward um uh, uh 40 40 and ethan ethan you're muted buddy i forgot um, I think it's like closer to 100. I'm going to go like 80. Wow. Whoa. 
Yeah. I thought I was being generous at 35. Because you said what? You said 23. 23. <laughs> Ellie, do you have an answer for us? I do indeed. Um, you were all being very generous. It's 12. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. They did that on a That's shoestring. That's amazing. That, that is, is amazing. amazing. For 1990. Uh, Home Alone was 18. Yeah. Okay, so what do we think it made? 12 million. What do we think the, um, the box office is? And I only have North American numbers because it was the era when you only had really North American numbers. But oh, said, have you already looked this up? Oh, I, I have. Uh, hang on. I have the North American. If you can find a global take, let me know. But I have. I'll get myself out of the running for this. Mm. Being a British thing, I don't think I've done well. Do too, do too well. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. 150 million? 150 million? That's not bad on a. Tw- what, 12 million? Well, compared to other things. That's like 12 times its budget. But okay, 150? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan? Uh, I'm going 190. Okay, Georgia? I was going to say 170, because I think the Muppets were, by this point, they were American as well. Okay. So I know it's a British production, but I think it would have done quite well. I'll give you the North American, then Ellie can jump in if she's got the global. 27 million. Ooh. Really? It was what? up against Home Alone 2. Oh, okay. And Home oh. Alone 2 took all of the money. And I didn't mention okay. this as one of the facts, but this becomes part of a term in Hollywood, to be home alone And it meant <laughs> to have your movie get crushed by Home Alone. And it happened with the sequel as well as with the original. So I did, um, I did kind of wonder because it's, you never know with the, what's been released at the time, do you? It's, it's become a Christmas classic. Because of rental release? Rental release and the idea that a good Christmas movie can be played every year, theoretically. Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. We talked about how that lost money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there was a different circumstance about why it was shown so often. But I think this seemed to really grab a hold of people in the video market and just in the idea that it's it's the Muppets. And, and it's a really good version. Just because you see it in the theater doesn't mean that it doesn't have merit. I think it's one of those ones that took life after release mm-hmm. and sort of like, not, I mean, very different movies, but like Shawshank. Yeah. Like Usual Suspects. Films yeah, that didn't yeah, do yeah. well in their initial run, but gained a notoriety and a cult following on, through yeah. word of mouth after the fact. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you happen to find the global box office? I did indeed. Okay. Um, it was only 32 and a half million. Yeah, wow. 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 I mean, because it was supposed to be a TV special. I mean, at least they made their money back yeah. on what they did. Uh, also, it was facing Aladdin. Oh, okay. oh, so, like, oh there we are. Okay. So if you've got kids <laughs> and you want to go to the cinema, probably this is choice three. Yeah. Yeah. Because Aladdin's probably taking a large part. Home Alone was massive, yeah. as we talked about just a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we've got this. So there's right. that. We're in the end game now. We are in the end game now. <laughs> so um, let's do the usual things. Uh, who's... Whose story is this? I mean, obviously, it's, 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 it's Scrooge's story. It? Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, role of women in the film? I mean, it's not, it's not great. Limited. It's, it's, for it's Victorian non-existent. Britain, it's quite... For Victorian Britain, the representations are all right, but that's for Victorian Britain, yeah. so... I will yeah. say that it's a faithful adaptation, but I will say that Disney found a way to make it even worse than it already is. Yeah, because yeah, they got, I really would have liked to see they more of Belle. Of, they, they, they got rid of Belle's story. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and Little Fan. And Little Fan, yeah. fan altogether. Thank you very much. Yeah, because yeah. Belle's story in this film is about 150 seconds. It's about two and a half yeah. minutes. That, yeah. yeah. For the time we introduce her, the time she leaves, if it's, th- if it's more than three minutes, I'll be stunned. Yeah. Yeah, and when you f- said to me to look up um, Belle for the age game, I was like... Do you mean Belle or do you mean Clara? Like, I mean, you could have done both. And, yeah, and I mean, why? It's just, it's just like, one of those weird ones, yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, is there a favorite character? Okay, I'm gonna say I love. Are we all in agreement that that Michael Caine just kills it in this movie? Absolutely, he's so oh, good. Yeah. Okay, can we find a favorite next level character then? Maybe. So, who's your favorite smaller character, Muppet character, maybe even in the film? The bunny. The bunny? Okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah, you can be as big a little him. as you want when you're Muppet, but it's the bunny. I understand that. He gets a lot of sympathy. I do, I do really like Kermit as well as Bob Cratchit. But... I like the ghost of Christmas present. Yeah. He's so good. He is so good. Yeah. I thought I had an answer. Now I have to think about it. <laughs> uh, Ethan. I'm torn between, uh, sorry, Tiny Tim and the ghost of Christmas present. Okay. Um, I never really rate Tiny Tim in this one. Tell me why. He's- I just find Robin such a cute Muppet. To be fair, he's always really good. Yeah, yeah. he's great. And I think, even though we all clowned on his song, it is sweet. And I will say, I just think his scenes are so, so gut-wrenching. Okay. Yeah, I'm going Tiny Tim now. Tiny Screw Tim. the ghost of Christmas present. He's old and dead. Okay. Georgia. Um, I really appreciate the other two ghosts as well. I like um, past and yet to come. I as, thought you meant Stadler and Waldorf. Yeah. <laughs> no, not not Stadler and Waldorf. Although they, they are very good. Yeah. I really, yeah, I really like the other two because um, I think they're very they're really quite faithful to the book as well, which is nice. Um, especially yet to come, who doesn't speak and is just leading with his hand, which is exactly what he does. Yeah, um, it's nice. in the in the book is a bit of a yeah you can you can change this it's not saying so i'm not telling you this i'm just showing you what could happen it's, which it's is just really hard to consider him as a character i mean he's a character but it's hard for me to yeah yeah because no, so char- he's so stoic there's nothing to him yeah, yeah. in um, the book you see that the hand starts to tremble when when, when yeah. scrooge starts to get really into it but um otherwise it's just as little little Muppet side side shows. I like the Mises. The me- yes, it is the Mises. They're kind of the equivalent of George's. The Mises for us, Mises. And in the end, Scrooge gives them a big hunk of he cheese. Does. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so there's Scrooge making it right by buying away his problems. And it's got a little bow on it. Yes, it does. Ellie, are you still staying with Little Rabbit? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead then, and I'm going to give my vote to, I mean, Ghost Christmas present, really good. Very good. I'm going to give mine to, to Gonzo. As Charles Dickens. He is very, very good. I and Rizzo is his sidekick. Rizzo is a sidekick, but more so Gonzo. I mean, Rizzo's just there for the cheap physical laughs and mm-hmm. the odd, you know, he's, he's the wacky one. You know, if this was Onward, he's Chris Pratt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt. <laughs> Rizzo was a Chris Pratt almost when he landed on the, uh, on the goose on earlier. The goose. <laughs> but no, it's I did Gonzo. appreciate it. It's a mu- little bit of Muppet lore there where... He gets Gonzo gets upset because it's Rizzo that gets to keep falling down things and landing on hot stuff. And we're like, that's what oh, Gonzo that's does. Right. Yeah, but that's I didn't put that together when I was watching it. But yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'm going to go with Gonzo because I'm not a big Gonzo guy. I actually quite dislike Gonzo in the whole Muppet lore, but he nails this. He does, and yeah. it's the he, it was the right it was the right character, and it was yeah. the right tone, and it was just really well done throughout. Do you think because he tends it all the time in other things, and this he's pulled back? Yeah, I think so. And that helps. And, that and, and you have, it's just like Piggy. You have the right an animal, yeah, yeah, yeah. the right amount of moments to do it. Yeah. I would have liked to see more Fozzie in this film, but Fezziwig's Wig's only a one scene character, yeah. and he was the right one for that. Mm-hmm. Bit of a weird relationship with his mom slash wife. Yeah. Don't know about that, but <laughs> such is. Um, so that's that. Uh, best song. Yeah. Thankful heart. Okay, good. Mm, Liam? I'm torn between. I do like the end song. 
Okay. I do like the end song. Which one's that? Is that Thankful Heart or is that The Love We Found? Which we didn't talk about. The Love We Found. No. Thankful Heart. Thankful Heart. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Shopping Spree song. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not Okay. Yep. Ethan. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the reprise that Kermit and Tiny Tim do. Jimmy it's Jolly, so wholesome. Jimmy, Jolly, yeah, that's great. Plus, just like the, the, the little acapella-ness of it is, ooh, gets me. Yeah, it's, it's, just, la la. it's the idea about you don't, because <laughs> what happens to that if one part of it disappears? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Especially yeah. because Tiny Tim gets the melody. Yeah. <sighs> it's nice. It is nice. And then when it goes, mm. <sighs> when Tim is gone. <laughs> <laughs> when Tim is- uh, Georgia, you gave yours already. Ellie. Um, I'm a little bit torn. I, I had written down something else, but I think probably the introduction song, the Here Comes Mr. Scrooge. Oh, very good. I really liked that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, any reason why? I just think it's a nice introduction and it takes you around lots of different characters and kind of sets the scene of London and the and the people and we see things like, like the cheeses for his mises and like it's it's just got nice little comedy bits in it but it's a really good storytelling device as well. That song pretty much skips like the first like eight pages thing because that, that song lets you do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's you, you lose some nice turns of phrase but it's, it's still like for what a movie needs to do, it's brilliant. Very clever. So I really, really like it. So that leaves it down to me. I, I want to give, if, 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 all the songs are really good in this. I just think they are, with the exception of the, the you know, with the tiny Tim bless us all one. I'm not a bit on that. Honorable mention to Marley and Marley. Oh, yes. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a great little song. But I'm going to go with, um, it feels like Christmas is a story of a street corner choir. Oh, it's yes. going home and getting warm. That was, by the I, was tempted, that one in the end. I was tempted to that choose was my that backup. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's, a, it's, it's cr- a jolliness of it. It's a jolliness, and it's that gif of yeah. like, you know, I use it for all the time, but it's, I'll use it a bunch of times for this release. But it's uh, just Scrooge in the Ghost Christmas Present, just sort of like bopping back yeah. and forth, dad dancing on the one plank that they're allowed to walk on. It's nice, right? And play that song, and it's it's Christmas to me. It just it just is yeah. so um, fantastic. Is there a best moment, best element of the film, best scene, best 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 factor? It can be either a scene or it can be something outside of it. I quite like the scene where he goes to Christmas present and they're all taking the mick out of him. And you can see his, you can see in his face, his heart breaks. So there is that feeling there. Mm. And, I, and I think Michael Caine just does it so well without even talking. Yeah. You know, you can see in his face. Yeah. So yeah, that's my that favorite one? scene. Ethan. I think it's just the trickery and the practical effects they use for all of the moments in this. Like, I did not think for a second the ghost of Christmas past was put in a dunk tank behind a, like, in front of a green screen. That's amazing, yeah. like, just effects use there. But no, I, I, I'm still impressed by it. Even now, like, with the, how the effects are done, but it still amazes me. And there is just a magic to it that I think embraces Christmas. Excellent. Well said. Actually, that's an interesting metaphor, actually. The, the magic of the, the, of the Muppets meets the magic of Christmas. Yeah. And there's certain things that, you know, you don't want to look too... It changes once you know what it is. Yeah. And you appreciate it in a different way. But it's not what it was when you were young. It's not, and it yeah. never will be. Well said, Ethan. Yeah. Um, Georgia? I'm with Ethan, fully. The magic of the Muppets. Anything that the Muppets do makes me happy. Um, I think I've expressed that quite a, quite a bit when we do Muppet stuff. But yeah, um, the puppetry of it all, the 
wider universe of it all, like how they, how the Muppets are still Muppets, but they, yeah, it's just, I love it. I love the Muppets. I really like the meta bits with Gonzo and Rizzo. Um, so they're kind of the whole setup for the storytelling device. So the use of Gonzo as as Dickens and um, just the kind of the way that they play on, you know, the way they're able to watch the story. So like things like using um, Rizzo as the bellows to um, to warm them up and using him as a window cleaner and falling Sound down like the chimney tail. and. Yeah, and the bit where they where he scurries under the um, the fence as well, I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, just that, just the kind of dipping in and out of the storyline itself, and then the awareness of the storyline. But I always like meta stuff. Okay, I'm gonna agree with everything you guys have said because I think you guys have all, all hit it on the head. Uh, I, I'm gonna therefore go the concept, the concept of having the Muppets retell a classic story and pulling it off. Yeah. By knowing who to put where, how much, what the balance is, how do you make, how do you go two levels deep and have these characters that we already know? And so the story sort of features those characters, but then also have it with the characters that they present and then have like one of the great actors of our time play it straight against them. So and good. they've tried to do it in other ways and they've done it successfully in some, like Treasure Island, I think is good. Muppet Treasure Island, I'm good with. Not saying that. Um, Muppet Cinderella and things like that, not so much. Wizard of Oz, not so much. Was that it Muppet Cinderella? Was, I know it was Muppet the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Wizard of Oz was not good. Yeah. So the, the question becomes, like, it's not just as simple as just put them here. So, yeah. But being right, whoever that guy was who I mentioned at the start who said this is the story, you need to do this, it, spot on and well done. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see, I just want to see Muppet versions of everything I have to teach at GCSE. <laughs> that would be great. Give me Muppet Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Of mice oh, of men died Muppets. That would be great. <laughs> Give me an inspector calls with Muppets. You know what I mean? Like, just let me have these things. I really do believe if done right with people who understand who these characters are and not just cash grabs and not just random celebrity, but who are you really putting into this? uh, I think these things can work and maybe especially on these classic stories. So that's my sort of best sort of uh, moment or element. So, Oh my God, Muppets King Arthur would be amazing. there's, There's no really a limit to the well as long as you just time it right. Yeah. Um, so speaking of timing things, right? I think it's time for one more. We've got two to go, but one more little, uh, call. So here, here, is that the doorbell? I hear? Ding dong. Ding dong. Here we go. It's Richard and Debbie. Just wanted to wish you all and all your listeners a very merry and safe Christmas. Thank you for having us both as guests during the year. And that we hope we're able to join you again in 2021, be it virtually or round a real table. Take care and Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. And Merry Christmas, Christmas to you too. And of yeah. course the answer is no, Aww. you can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Of course you can come back. We love it when Debbie we, when, <laughs> we love it when Debbie and Richard are able to join us Absolutely. virtually or otherwise. Yeah. And uh, there's some things actually in the not so distant. I need to get in touch with them and say I've got some plans. Here, oh, here's yeah. where you go with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, grumble, a grumble. Mm, I don't think I have at the moment. I can't okay. think of anything on top of my head. So we'll move on to Ethan. If if by the time we get back around, you're you're good. Okay. Let me know if you have something else, Ethan. Scrooge is past and love life is so quickly glossed over. I think yeah. it needed that song, but also just needed a bit more expanding because I love this film, but watching it, I felt like I'd missed something 
because it just happens because it just shows the start and the end and i don't feel anything and everyone's crying and i just don't get it totally agree okay but that's not my grumble oh okay uh georgia um i don't think i really have a grumble as such I think I agree with what Ethan said. It is a little. There's a few bits that I'd have added to, perhaps, because it is quite a short runtime as is. Um, but other than that, it's not a grumble. I still like it as it is. Okay, uh, Ellie. I definitely have a grumble. I hate the Ghost of Christmas Past. The character design for it is creepier than the Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, and I I couldn't. Hmm. Although I can perfectly easily get my head around the fact that the Muppets are real. Um, characters not being controlled by puppeteers, etc., and don't even think about it. I could not stop looking at that Ghost of Christmas Past and just going, "What the hell have you done? This is ridiculous." This is hated th- it. This is because it's ginger, isn't it? No, because this I is have the more no anti-ginger the sentiment of- that has been far too prevalent on. Disney. I had no objection to the Ghost of Christmas <laughs> Present. Who was oh, that's right. Yeah. Ginger. Actually, we are. My, my people do okay in this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I disagree. I quite like the Ghost of Christmas Past. Oh, I thought you were going to disagree with the fact that you don't hate gingers. I was like, <laughs> that too. <laughs> Careful. Uh, no, that I, too. I, I like the fact it's airy and different. And See, I think the idea is being that like, the past is cloudy, the past yeah, is shadows, the I past like is not formed. And so this gives... I love that all three ghosts were clearly different from each other. Very in different. In like every way. Yeah. yeah. I don't mean creepy as in scary. I mean creepy as in shit. Oh, okay. Like, See, I didn't it feel just that. it just looked rubbish. Right. I thought it looked great for nineteen ninety. I'll take it. Yeah, I liked yeah. all the movement, like the fluidity of water. I yeah. liked that. I thought... It was more the face, to be fair, oh, rather okay. than the, the body. Like so, the effects of how they did that, fine. But yeah, it, ugh, it just looked weird. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, I do have a grumble. Okay, what is it? The fleshy-looking, horrible carol oh, singers. The cabbage I, patch kids. I don't <laughs> like them. My God, throw them in the garbage pail. Yeah, yeah. Like it. Uh, my grumble is there's a lot of nuance in a christmas care it's a very simple story and so i think you need some nuance and you need to know that scrooge isn't born bad yeah and i thought they very he was lonely once therefore he's bad i'm like ah because when he's leaving he's like yes headmaster he's a good kid he was still lonely so the the question and when he goes to fozzy wig is important or fezzy wig is important because you need to understand that being rich it doesn't make you bad and fezzy wig shows you being rich doesn't make you bad yeah the victorians would say it's not money that's the root of all evil it's the love of money that's the root of all evil so Mm. fezzy wig is a businessman and he makes a profit but he's not afraid to be generous and he even tells you know, and Scrooge, oh, when Scrooge goes, you know how much money you're spending on this? I'm like, why are you being such a jerk about Like, who's taught you to be like this? I don't understand this. Yeah. And there could have been more about those nuances. And again, little fan is just too important to write out. Yeah. So okay. those are my issues. Are I'm just a bit of a purist to the actual text. And even even the bit about, how, you know, how he is growing up. And that's a little bit of a criticism about the actual source material. So, you know, mm. but you need more. It can't just be, I was born bad. Yeah. Need more, and especially a bit with little Finn. In fact, sorry, just to go into it a bit, because she says, "Father's so much kinder than he used to be," which gives you the line that Scrooge has been sent away by a father who doesn't care about him, who was mean to him, who has abandoned him at school. Yeah, willfully abandoned him at school, and now you understand why he might have issues with family. Mm-hmm. And when the one person he lo- who loves him dies, you might go, "And I see why he doesn't care about the fact that he's alone all the time." These sorts of ideas, and they're, and they're lost in this. So, okay. that is that. So now it's time for Age Game, Age Game. Let's all play the Age Game. Boom. 
Okay, so just three today. Okay. So we've well plus plus uh, Brian Henson, of course. Okay. So Scrooge. Oh, we're starting with the big one. All right, here we go. Yeah. Scrooge. He looks young. I meant to mention this. This is the youngest I can remember him looking because I don't see mm-hmm. him in a lot of it. And maybe I first saw him in like planes, train not planes, transmobiles, dirty rotten scoundrels. I don't know. Yeah. I think that was just before this. But I'm going to say Michael. I've Kane, never seen him in any of his younger stuff. I'm going to say Michael Caine is. I'm going to say he's 53 here. I was going to say 52. Oh, okay. There we go. Same so, idea. Yeah. Ethan? I was going to say 59. Okay. Georgia? Uh, 55. Ethan's got it. He's 59. Wow. Wow. See, yeah. He's, even now, he's almost 60 in this. Wow. See, I was skirting more into like the mid-60s, but wow. you guys all said 50, so I was like, oh, no, I he's the I 90s. Know, I think he's in his late 80s now, but maybe he's older than that. Yeah, oh, he's... Really. Uh, 87 or something um fred who okay uh i'm gonna go 24 27 26 mm, 29 25 Ooh. oh we sort of split that one there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. um next uh bell okay bell so that's his girlfriend not to be confused with Clara, who is Fred's uh, girl or wife. 23. 28. 25. 22. 19. Oh, I should have guessed Hollywood always has way too young girls. <laughs> well, to be fair, she's not playing opposite 60-year-old Michael Caine no. in that role. <laughs> um, and that just leaves Brian Henson. It does, yeah. My, my initial thought was 32. I don't know what he is, but I'll go thirty. Yeah. I'll go thirty. Wait, someone else said thirty-two. You're not supposed to do thirty-two. Oh, okay, thirty-one then. But my initial thought when we were thinking okay. of him was thirty-two. Thirty-one, Georgia. See, I said thirty-two earlier, and there I'm going to stay with it. Thirty-seven. <laughs> I'm thinking thirty-eight. Twenty-nine. Wow! Wow! Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. He's young. He is, isn't he? I can't even get my head around someone twelve years younger than me. Did that. Incredible. Wow. Is it nepotism? Probably not. Seems like he knew what he was doing. Nepotism. (laughs) So is this anybody's best? Is this Michael Caine's best role ever? No. 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 I think it's the only thing I've seen him in. I liked him in... uh, Georgia, I know you've seen him in in The the Dark Knight, so... Who is he in The Dark Knight? He's Alfred. Alfred. Oh, he's better in this. Okay, well, Liam, go ahead. I liked him in... The Ipcris Files, and I also liked him in Zulu, but that early films. That's fine. Um, but That's... I, I do love him in this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but he's got such a body of work that... Okay. Know. Ethan? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I remember enjoying him just in other stuff that had more varied performances. Well, if you can't name anything, I think you have to name this. <laughs> you can't go by uh, default, I'll go, no. I'll go, I'll go Dark Knight then. Right. He's, 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 he's funny in that. Or even Batman Begins, in, just because of the, well, you, you, how you, you do so many press-ups if you can't lift the bloody log. You can, you, can, you can do his role as a whole as Alfred, between the three films. Okay, he's got yeah. a lot of, I mean, he's really good in, in Dark Knight Rises. Mm. I oh, think no, he's, he's great in, in Kingsman. How did I forget he's in Kingsman? Kingsman? Absolutely. Uh, Georgia, think, are you staying with... I'm staying with this. Okay. Ellie? I think he's definitely better in um, the Batman films. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Prestige as mine. I think he's... Oh, yeah? <laughs> I think he's fantastic in it. 
Uh, I think he's the voice of reason, and he's the barometer for us in that film. And I think his outrage is our outrage. His tears are our tears. His shock is our shock. And I think he's excellent in that film. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, The Prestige, but I totally understand anybody who says um, Batman trilogy. I do. Can I change my choice to Cars 2, please? No, <laughs> if you're so inclined. I mean, yeah, that's it. So Ethan's officially saying, Car- I'm not, there's no irony allowed anymore. It's no. Christmas. So you have oh, to wear no. that. Ethan's favorite Michael Caine. <laughs> remember this for all time. Ethan's favorite Michael Caine performance is Cars 2. I thought he was going to say George the Revenge. <laughs> oh. So uh, we've got one more person at our doorbell with a carol as George starts to look up the critics, I'm sure. So I will go ahead and play our final. Um, Christmas greeting. Ding dong. Hi, Best Film Ever podcast. Griff here from the Paul and Griff show. I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of your you and your listeners. Favourite Christmas movie? Well, has to be Die Hard, but we've had this argument before, haven't we? But we it have. has to be Die Hard. Honestly, <laughs> have a Merry Christmas. And have a great 2021. He's got a great oh, voice, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Oh. So uh, he does want to bring up the idea that it's uh, we, we yield. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas film. I thought we were going to have a trilogy then of um, Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. Oh, no, but I didn't. we didn't. I didn't. No, no, no. No, uh, we got two Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers, and we, we got one reference to Santa Sluts for <laughs> which I was not expecting. No. <laughs> so... Uh, I don't even want to look to see if it's a real film. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised either. Yeah. So, uh, Georgia, do you have any critics' viewpoints for this for us? I do, yes. So I've got Caroline Westbrook from Empire Magazine. Um, she says, vastly enjoyable, despite the syrupy, soppy song bit in the middle. Go make a glass of old wine during it. Michael Caine is perfect in the role, and there are many genuine belly laughs. So I would disagree. I think the songs are great, and you should stay and watch them and just have the mulled wine at the beginning. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's quite good. She gave it a four out of five. So, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. And then I've got Peter Rayner from the Los Angeles Times. who says, the Muppets are at their best when they're anarchic without, without all this soggy whimsy. Like, no, no, they're just as good here as well, I'd, I'd say. I think you get a bit of anarchy in Muppets because they are Muppets, and you get a little bit in this anyway, but it doesn't stop this being good. And then our friend friend Roger Ebert um, says, yeah, says, like all Muppet movies, this one is a musical. The original song's by Paul Williams. His favourite is the Marley Brothers one, which is like, yeah, I can, I can get behind yep. that. It's a good one. Uh, it could have done with a few more songs than it has. The merrymaking at the end might have been carried on a little longer just to offset the gloom of Scrooge's tour through his lifetime spent spreading misery. And then it ends with, um, will kids like this movie? The kids around me in the theatre seem to, although more for the Muppets than for the cautionary tale of Scrooge. Um, but I think that's kind of where it sits with adults and children. It's why it works so well as a Christmas film for the whole family. Um, but I believe he gave it three out of four. So, cool. yeah, uh, it's pretty... Pretty strong reviews all round. I would disagree with Roger Ebert that it needed any more songs. Yeah, don't need any more. No, I think it was good. No, I think it. I I'd think like, it could have been a bit longer. I'd like it Love Has Gone Back, in, which he might not have seen. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind yeah. that. But the idea about keeping the merriment going at the end, every Scrooge film struggles with that. Yeah, because actually, once you get the Ghost of Christmas yet to come, your film's pretty much over. It's yeah, it's not it long till you're finished. Yeah. No. So yeah. 
So I'm just going to go ahead and look up some of the critics that we have from our panel. Uh, we just heard from this person not long ago. Debbie says, hey. this is my favorite Christmas film, and it has come full circle. As a child, I would sit and watch it with my sister and parents at Christmas every year, and now me and my sister sit with our kids to watch this movie together. The music, the faithful tone of the story are just brilliant, uh, beautiful, uh, absolutely timeless, and brings me to tears every time. Love it so much, it wouldn't be Christmas without it. Favorite Christmas drink has to be a Bailey's. Each straight, uh, I think she means either straight or in a coffee yeah so there we go uh friend of the podcast and george's shout out partner dwayne smith dwayne smith I'm ha- see dwayne i'm having to actually cue her to yeah. let her know what's coming and no i wasn't distracted yeah, yeah. by my dog and, and this she week. says uh, scrooged is my sorry he says sorry scrooged is my fave but this one comes a close second this is one of the best muppets films with constant jokes and one-liners throughout fozzy wig is genius michael kane is the perfect scrooge and i raise a large glass of cider to you all and wish you a very merry christmas oh. and it's a very merry christmas from us to dwayne yeah smith. thank you dwayne yeah uh, andrew ashevsky says it's a classic muppets film and outside of the original trilogy i I'd say it's the best one. I agree. I think I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about that. It was also the first role I saw Michael Caine in and argued he's the best Ebenezer Scrooge on film. I agree. Um, On a side note, Debbie got in contact with the hashtag (coughs) Ian is right. And this is regards to that. It was the nutcracker. It's the nutcracker, is it? Yeah. So booyah. So that's everybody we've got talking about um, Muppet Christmas Carol. In the Great Pantheon, we've done two Muppets films. Is this better than the original Muppet film we did? Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. George? I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ethan. Oh, no. I, I think it has more heart than the original Muppets movie, which is impressive. And Ooh. I think there's more legacy to it because of it. Hiccup. Georgia? I think that's difficult because this is based off of a different story and the Muppets movie is its own standalone tale. I agree. Um, so I don't think you can really compare them. I like the Muppets in both both of these, so I'm not... I refuse to answer that question. Wow. You refuse... Isn't that part of our gimmick with, like, franchises? You have to rank where it fits in the franchise? <laughs> no. I think it is for talking to Mickey. I think it's... it's like if we went, is this a better Marvel film? I'm not answering that. <laughs> Well, they, they're not really thing. They're not really comparable. They have Muppets both, in them, <laughs> and I like the Muppets in both. Right. They're both joint first place. Wow, I don't think we did that on this podcast. No, no. Okay, I'm interesting s- to see whether you rank them the same in terms of the number That's as interesting. well. I'm going to pick up on Georgia's argument and say there is something about an adaptation versus an original creation. That being said, it, I went something like 10, 15 years without watching the Muppet movie again. I would gladly watch the Muppet Christmas Carol next year. Now, part of that's the, the ritual of Christmas, and I understand that. But as a result, I'm going to pip ever so slightly um, Muppet Christmas Carol ahead of the Muppet movie 1979 in my rankings. The only reason I say, I'm not a big Muppets fan. Ooh, I know, right? Um, but... I do love this movie, okay. and I think they faithfully bring it to life, and I, and I love it. I watch it every year, so yeah, this is my favorite. Well then, Liam, it's time for ratings. What do you have for this film? Same thing applies again. Ooh. Remember what's a good movie, what's a bad movie, all those things. What is, it's my favorite Christmas movie, so there's my, there's myself, me going, here, here it is in full view, but what is your rating on it as a movie compared to every other film we've done? Okay, as I go on, like, last, uh, the last one, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. 
So whatever I give it in my head, I'm going to mm-hmm. take half off. Sure. So I give it an, a strong eight. So I'm going to say seven and a half. Oh, okay. <laughs> so seven and a half. Seven and a half. Fair enough. Because I'd normally give it an eight because okay. of the nostalgia of it. Ethan. I'm definitely trying not to be like super nostalgic, but I've said everything that I think makes this film fantastic. And it is a really good film. I'm giving it eight deep fried cold Rizzos out of 10. Wow. Nice. How can you be deep fried and cold? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know the word for getting, I don't know the word for getting frozen. It's frozen. It's frozen. Uh, Could be deep fried and then put in the freezer. I am going to give this film um, nine cheeses for us Mises out of ten. Nine cheeses for us Mises out of ten. Excellent. Uh, Ellie? I am going to give it seven and a half. Okay, seven and a half. I am going to, wear it on my sleeve, I'm going to give it uh, eight and a half sentient aware that they're being shoplifted pieces of produce out of town. <laughs> so if I recall that's a seven and a half from Liam, it's an eight from Ethan, a nine from Georgia, a seven and a half from Ellie, and an eight and a half from moi. Yeah. As that was what we had determined as the group was the greatest Christmas film of all time. We mm-hmm. said as a, as a consensus that was that was that one. So um not too shabby in the grand scheme of things. Um I think we've also needed puppetry is an interesting art and doesn't mean it's not worthy of things. And they did do some cool things, cinematography and the writing was good. And the acting was excellent. That's all my side about why I went where I went, but Mm -hmm. that is that all that's left now is to talk about what we are doing next week on the two respective podcasts. So I will throw to Ellie who has been waiting a very long time to talk about what is due next week. Oh, I forgot this was coming up next. How exciting. It's a good job I can remember what it is. Um, So after a couple of failed announcements at this one, um, for our next Talk in the Mickey, we are going to be going right back to the very first Disney animated classic and looking at Snow White. The woman who shacked up with seven men. Very difficult. (laughs) I think the Snow White ride recently got refurbed. Did it really? Yeah. Interesting then. Andrew Oshevsky will have a lot to say then. He'll have a lot to say, and that's what we are doing for Talking the Mickey. And then it's left for me to talk about what we're doing for our final episode of the year for Best Film Ever. It is, I believe, 1995? I think it was 1995. Yes, that sounds about right. It was an anniversary film, and I wanted to make sure we hit it. It still qualifies as best as I, I know, outside of that as well. But it is an absolute classic, and it's one in which the main, again, one human maybe against a whole bunch of non-humans, but somehow still works. We are going to review the film Babe. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I, I predicted, I believe, Liam, but you would go, oh, I like this. Yeah. And I predicted that the girls wouldn't have any clue what this film is. So I'm wondering if I'm right. Is it the one with the pig? It the is pig. the one with the pig. Yeah. yeah, know what it is, but I haven't seen That's all it. I know. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much what I thought was going to happen. Ethan, you, just tell us kind of, you had a reaction to it. I'm curious what you think. I just was not expecting you to say, babe. Just My brain was thinking, one, one non-animated person. Yeah. So he's obviously talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I wasn't expecting the pig who could pig. No, it's <laughs> James, James Cromwell. What's his name? It's James Cromwell. I'm sure of it. I don't know. Yeah, and talking about a story basically of this underdog pig yeah. who rises to prominence. So, Babe, um, an absolute delightful film. A I haven't nice, seen this for years. I haven't seen this. This 
I haven't seen this this century. I will be very sure of that. Yeah, same. I would be very sure I haven't seen it since then. But it's a lovely film. It will make our hearts grow three sizes. And we've had a hell of a year. A little bit more positivity on the way out. It'd be nice. And also, a good time to announce that we are recording next week our best of episode. We're ready to go back over uh, what we've done. We'll do a quick little hour show talking about our favorite things that we've reviewed in the past nine months because we haven't done the full year obviously not yet 10 months it'll be 10 months 10 yeah so what did we enjoy what we're going to call the besties and i may put something out there for people to to sort of vote on themselves but we will uh throw that out there so that is what's coming up in the best film ever extended universe best film ever talking to mickey big thanks to everybody i uh, hope everybody had a merry christmas at merry the first annual christmas. best film ever christmas party yeah Remember, limit your alcohol intake because the decisions you make at a Christmas party show up in HR in the new year. So Yeah, too late. We already know that I went way over my limit like 10 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> so I think uh, please join us next time on either of the two podcasts for what we've announced next. So for best oh, film thanks. ever or both. So for best film ever and talking to Mickey, my name is Benny. And I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. I've been Nathan. And I've been Georgia. And this is my Christmas speech. Are you ready? Go for it. Thank you all, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> Short and sweet. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> we'll catch you on the flippity-flop. The flippity-flip-flop. <laughs>